Once, everything was awesome. Now, everything is bleak. Hey, Lucy! I brought you coffee! Coffee. The bitter liquid that provides the only semblance of pleasure left in these dark times. Oh my goshness, did I interrupt you brooding just now? Times have changed. You need to change with them. We have to be tough and battle ready. Look, a shooting star, make a wish! <gasps> oh no. Run! Hurry, the door is slowly closing! The pain. It's getting so cold. Emmett, what are you doing? Hooray! See, that wasn't so bad. Nothing got in. Ah, something got in. I'm General Mayhem. Bring me your fiercest leader. Lucy! Emmett! Ah! This is all my fault. Hang on to your fronts, Planny. We're going to save Lucy. If I save your life, not at all. Who are you? The name's Rex Danger Vest, galaxy defending archaeologist, cowboy, and raptor trainer. <laughs> I don't get it. Will you help me rescue my friends? You don't want to go anywhere near the Sistar system. It's ruled by an alien queen. Only the toughest are gonna get out of there alive. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? <laughs> yes, you are. I'm a queen, whatever I would not be. I'm getting super evil vibes here. I could change my form to something else if this makes you more comfortable. Hey, guys. No, go back. The horse was much more palatable. I got a play phone and a play phone. I got to get it, baby. Hit me. No, it did not. A1, hit him with the A1 song. Since J1, not the A1 side. Lucy! Emmett, did you draw stubble dots on your face? What? No. <laughs> Are you? I'm your worst nightmare. You're me when I'm late to school and I forgot my homework and my pants are made of pudding? No, I don't. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the IPC Podcast, broadcasting on channel1138.com and also coming to you through the power of iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and StarWarsUnderworld.com, among other platforms. We're all over the place, but we have one particular topic that we're going to be talking about tonight, and it's so recent and so relevant that we're not doing it alone. Tonight's episode is actually a special crossover with another 1138 program, The Hype Function. (laughs) 
So we're going to be doing a lot of really awesome stuff that blends IPC with the Hype Function Podcast, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's do some introductions before we get too deep into this. My name is Zach, and I'm so excited you chose to spend the next little while with us. Joining me, as he always does on the IPC Podcast, is my friend and my co-host, Mr. Benjamin Hart. How's it going, everybody? Glad to be here. Glad to be here on the IPC slash Hype Function. I guess that's guess that's what we're calling it, or whatever, featuring Hype Function. Don't really know. It's just emerging. We're just blending them together, and hopefully it'll turn out to be a pretty darn good episode. And I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about tonight. You and me both, man. I think that's part of what led to this uh, crossover event was we both wanted to talk about this particular movie. And I was just like, hey, let's join forces. And so joining us <laughs> and helping us join forces, uh, assembling the uh, the Avengers, if you will, although they don't show up in this movie, which is very, very prominently expressed. <laughs> joining us is the host of the Hype Function it's Mr. Jeff White. Hello, and welcome to this jolly day, whenever you may be listening to this awesome podcast. Uh, it is great to be back here on the IPC podcast, to, 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 and that Zach and Ben are supporting my monthly show, The Hype Function. It's, all, it's also on Channel 1138. We're going to be talking about some jolly stuff today. I just saw the Lego Movie 2 last Sunday, so that's a couple of days ago. And I am ecstatic, enthusiastic, and I am so hyped to talk about it with you. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for being a part of it. Like you said, tonight's topic is the Lego Movie 2. Last week's IPC podcast uh, discussed the first Lego movie that came out back in 2014. It's been five years since the original film, and that's just a crazy, crazy thought that we have gone five years since the original Lego movie. Now, we have had the Lego Batman movie in the middle of all that. And and, and, uh, and the Lego Ninjago movie. Don't forget that. Yeah, yeah but that's yeah. more based on the TV show, isn't it? It's still considered part of the franchise, Zach. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think there was any references to it in the Lego movie, too, though. Was there? Not, not really. Not that I, mean, I can I remember. don't think it was wildly successful, but also, like... I don't know, maybe, I don't know how it exactly works. I don't know how the Lego cinematic universe is working right now. Um, hmm. I'll withhold comment for now. <laughs> think, think, about, think about this, Zach. You know, 2014 was the last time we, we, was when we had the Lego movie. And, you know, within these five years, we've had God knows how many Marvel films. We've had four Star Wars films within that time span. That is insane to me. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. A, it's a pretty crazy thought. And uh, what's what's really interesting is um, there's also been a lot of stuff that's been created and then canceled in that time span yeah. as well. <laughs> we, we've got a couple of icebreakers for you guys before we dive too deep into this Lego Movie 2 discussion. Um, on the subject of things being canceled, it's not much surprise, but it's been officially <laughs> confirmed now that both The Punisher and Jessica Jones are being discontinued. The Punisher released its second and what is now its final season just a couple of weeks ago. Jessica Jones is getting a third season, but then after that it will not be renewed. This rounds out the Defenders franchise as we know it, and based on recent events, you know, hearing about Daredevil, hearing about Luke Cage, hearing about Iron Fist, 
it just seemed like this was the natural progression for the dominoes to fall in this particular way. But I'm curious what you guys' thoughts are on the way that this has all turned out and if you think we're going to end up um, seeing these guys in some capacity, either on the big or small screen in the future. I, I think about it like this, Zach. Back when Disney bought Lucasfilm in 2012, and we, as Star Wars fans, we knew the vast amount of change that occurred after that. It's an unfortunate consequence of Disney prioritizing and creating Disney Plus in having more of Marvel content. We're going to get a bunch of Marvel shows already on there and of their increased stake in Hulu. There's rumors that we're getting more stuff on there from Marvel. And so... It's kind of like what happened if Star Wars, like unfortunately sacrifices were made so that we could get these brand new films and all the stuff we've gotten from Star Wars lately. So it it really sucks for the people who were passionate about these Marvel shows and there were quite a few of them. And, you know, like Daredevil was was very successful for Netflix. A lot of people were intrigued by the dark, gritty direction. And so... You know, from many views, it is a disappointment. But I think of it, you know, now I'm kind of wondering, you know, ooh, what's all this new stuff they're doing? I'm curious to see what Marvel Studios and Marvel Television, what they're going to do. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see, like, how they handle this because from what I understand, this was a Netflix decision, not necessarily one that Marvel liked to make. I, I don't I, – I tend to believe that. I don't know why – um, other than uh, maybe maybe it was a combination of two, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense either way. But I think they they can wait this out. And I, I've heard the rumors about this contract that apparently is keeping the characters at Netflix for at least a few more years until Netflix you know decides whatever they want to do with them, um, which is unfortunate. But hopefully they'll just wait it out, and hopefully we'll get Ooh. you know more series even i mean i think any of these characters like especially daredevil would translate pretty well to the big screen if they decided to do that eventually um so i don't know i think daredevil had a pretty good ending um luke cage kind of had a pretty you know cliffhangerish and ending i haven't seen punisher but jessica jones we'll see how that wraps up um and iron fist was Kind of a cliffhanger too, I guess. Um, but I don't know. I think they could. There's a lot to do with these characters. I think people have been grown attached to them. Defenders was kind of mildly, you know, yeah. accepted, but at the same time, I think it had a lot of potential there. So I hope they're fervent in trying to bring back these characters, and hopefully, one day, we'll we'll get more of these defenders. Didn't I hear Ben that um, that Netflix was trying to? shift away from licenses and like re-airing other content and focusing on their original series or were these marvel shows like netflix original series i it was a it was a partnership so yeah it, it, it was considered a netflix original in partnership with marvel kind of like um runaways is with hulu mm. Mm. right it's it's considered a a streaming original because you can't find it on any other platform, but it's in partnership with the comics and and the company. So it's unfortunate. Um, but what's interesting is, like you said, Ben, there um, there there really wasn't much that Marvel as a company could do 
per se, because they signed over those rights to Netflix and then Netflix kind of, you know, gave them the middle finger saying, you know what, if you're going to do this, then we're going to keep you from making money with these particular characters. And um, uh, Jeff Loeb, one of the executives at Marvel, actually posted a a press release of sorts on Marvel.com. And uh, he he basically said, uh, on behalf of everyone at Marvel Television, we couldn't be more proud or grateful to our audience. And, And then here's the interesting quote. Our network partner may have decided they no longer want to continue telling Mm. the tales of these great characters, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) But you know Marvel is better than that. (laughs) Oh, some shade being thrown there. (laughs) There, There's definitely some some resentment going on here. But, um, you know, he, he stated how proud he was of being able to bring all of these different characters together the way they did with the Defenders. He said uh, that they assembled an amazing team to write, produce, direct, edit, and score 13 separate seasons and 161 one-hour episodes. You know what and I? So you know what I that, appreciate? That, that's quite an accomplishment. You know what I appreciate about this? This wasn't your typical press release. Like, you know, if you have a Disney investors meeting with CEO Bob Iger, he's gonna tell his investors that. The Star Wars license deal with EA for video games are going well because they like to be informed of stability. It is hilarious to me that Jeff Loeb is saying, oh, is throwing shade at Netflix. I find that hilarious. Well, I I, I feel like they're both kind of saying, don't let the door hit you on the way out. (laughs) Because if they're creating their own streaming service, they don't really need Netflix anymore. And if yeah. Netflix is losing this content, then they're like, well, we're not going to be putting up with your stuff anymore either. So yeah, I, I'm wondering, seemed... I'm wondering, Just this is just a wild theory based on what limited knowledge I have. Of this. I'm wondering if Netflix saw Met and Marvel kind of dropping them in the future as with Disney streaming service and, and saw, I mean, you're talking about, Disney Disney Plus is going to be a threat to Netflix. It's going to be a direct competition. They're trying yep. to go after Netflix. They've yep. already Bob Iger has already come out and said, "Hey, our streaming service is going to be even cheaper than Netflix." They're trying oh, yeah. to market to those people. Um, what if Netflix is like, "Oh hell no!" Hmm. Um, you know, they saw the writing on the wall that you know you're going to pull these properties out from under us. You know, sooner or later, we're just going to flip you the finger right back and just cancel all these shows and pull our trump card and just do it and i can see how that would be it just doesn't sound like netflix and marvel are getting along right now i think that's pretty apparent from this statement and if you take that into consideration it's like well it kind of makes sense that they would be kind of at each other's throats and you know and i think that's the ultimate goal here i think is that disney would just go hey we're going to put we're going to put Daredevil season four would be four, right? On, on Disney plus at some point. And I don't see how they, I mean, Disney's already come out and said when that was a pretty big deal about how they were willing to continue what Fox was doing with the Deadpool stuff and with R rated content. And, you know, that's, it could be possible. You could see Daredevil on Disney plus or whatever, not watered down, but the same Daredevil we know. So I don't know. I think it's just really fascinating, and I'm looking forward to hopefully within the next few years returning to these characters, bringing them back somehow. 
I'd like to see that. Just me personally, I feel like this is some of the best content that we've gotten on television in quite some time. The Punisher was one of the best TV series I've seen in a long time. It, I rated it right up there among the likes of Game of Thrones. It was intense, it was well-written, it was dark, it was gritty, it was action-packed. There were just so many elements to it that I that I really, really enjoyed. And then the suspense of Daredevil and the, the villain that you get with Vincent D'Onofrio as the Kingpin. It's okay. just amazing casting, amazing writing. And, you know, we've talked about seeing some of these characters on the big screen, but if we have to wait a few years to get... Um, like uh, like like to to get these same characters back just on another platform, I I feel like it would totally be worth the wait. Like I'm I would be looking forward to seeing some sort of a teaser that says you know season four coming 2022 or something like that. You know, right? I I'm I'm totally okay with that. They got to wait out the the licensing and you know be able to to get a hold of their own content again. But uh, to to produce stuff like that again, I definitely hope that they do something like that in the future. Yeah, I mean, Marvel right now is already considering seemingly endless amount of different characters. You got Loki, you got Cap, and uh, no Bucky and and Falcon. You know, supposedly Man. in production. Um, I mean, why not? You know that that you know basically, you know, Daredevil and all those guys. They kind of set the standard for what you can do with you know, one character or a few characters in, you know, that. It's crazy. Disney Plus is adding so much hype. Like, we're getting rumors about these Marvel characters, and, like, now we're getting rumors of, like, many different Star Wars characters having their own shows. Like, it's insane, the attention and hype surrounding Disney Plus. I cannot wait for when it releases. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Well, what what else is interesting is there's not been a whole, whole lot of other things to talk about. This is kind of the big news element of uh, of the week. Um, we did pre-record this episode just due to schedule conflicts, so if something happened between <laughs> Wednesday and when this episode comes out on Friday, I apologize. I will... What if they release the episode 9 title tomorrow? <laughs> you hush your mouth. You hush your mouth. I Don't give them any ideas. I <laughs> sincerely hope that doesn't happen, and I sincerely hope I get jinxed with that <laughs> so that I can write a retraction on my Twitter page or something like what that. We need like, do, what we need to do is we need to record ourselves talking about how great the Episode Nine title is. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we won't say, we're, gonna, we're not going to spoil it for you. We're going to let you, you know... Talk, let you see for we yourself, want, but it was want awesome. Your thoughts. Tell us what you think. Tell us on in the chat our, yeah. on our Twitter page. <laughs> and yeah. then if it doesn't happen, I'll just edit it out in post. <laughs> you do have some keen editing skills, my friend. I will give you that. I don't um, know if it's that keen. <laughs> well, in in keeping with um, just having lively discussion without diving straight into. Uh, the the main topic of the evening. Uh, I I thought we'd mix things up a little bit, Ooh. and uh, and and do something a little bit different. And if this goes well, then it may be something that we integrate, uh, you know, semi permanently. But I I don't know. Recently, I think it was back in December. I guess it was mid December around Christmas break. I decided I needed some inspiration for my blog posts. I couldn't just randomly write stuff, and I, I, I really needed a little bit more structure. 
And I found this book at Target that just on the cover very simply says 300 writing prompts. Mm. And I was like, ooh, this is brilliant. That's a and lot. I started <laughs> flipping through the pages and I was like, whoa, these are some really interesting questions. And I thought it would be interesting to see if we could turn these into discussion questions instead of writing questions. Almost like a getting-to-know-you icebreaker kind of thing. Instead of saying our name and our our age and what our favorite movie is or something like that, mm. we would ask each other a couple of these different writing prompt questions and see how each person would respond. Maybe just, like, two of them tonight, and if it goes well, we'll do another two on another episode or something like that. But are you guys game for something like that? Dude, I'm, I'm down for it because saying it out loud is way faster than writing it down on paper. That's a fact. That's very true. That's very Ooh. true. And, and it creates some really interesting discussions, too, because you're like, oh, well, that's interesting. I never... I never thought of it that way before. I might learn some so, new things about y'all tonight. <laughs> that, that's yeah, very things true. Come out, things come out a lot easier on here than they do in text, and that can be a good thing mm. and a bad thing. Okay. Well, <laughs> if, if you guys are, are good to go, I'm just going to like flip through the pages here. I don't know if you can hear me flipping through the, the pages oh, of that. this How many pages sound. is it? Oh, dude, it's like an inch thick. <laughs> like this is, this, is a, this is a big book. It's 300 different prompts, you know? So... Uh, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to I'm going to get a mechanical pencil here just to make sure that I mark which ones we discussed tonight and I don't end up repeating them somewhere How likely down the, is down that, the line. <laughs> well, because I'm just randomly selecting stuff, so I just got to like make sure three, that I don't like like randomly... 6 and 300. Oh. Well, it, they're not numbered, unfortunately. So oh, I'm going to oh, put boy. like a like a little mark next to the question or something like okay. that. Um, let me see. I'm curious let what the questions are going to be. See. Uh, some of them are really simple like um, like the, one of the first prompts that they give you was what's your favorite way to spend a lazy day so like mm. I guess I guess that can be our, our first question we'll just, <laughs> we'll just use the first one right out of the book um, Jeff what is your favorite way to spend Dude. a lazy day as a college student you don't get very many of them so how do you make the most of those well, to be fair, not being in band anymore, you get a little, you get a lot more free time. But um, play video games, dude. Like, there's something about the visual creativity of games combined with the you know, advanced development and fancy engines and incredible stories. Not to mention the fun gameplay that you have. Like video games, it they're truly an art that unfortunately has turned into a corporate commodity. But that's okay because I've enjoyed the music, the visuals, the story of so many games, and they they introduce you to great worlds. It's like reading a a beautiful book. So yeah, I I spend my you know, a free lazy day playing video games, and and the only reason the reason it's not just because I sit on my ass all day. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I was not thinking that. <laughs> No judgment here, no judgment. No, but yeah, I think it's a great way to spend a lazy day. I I, I don't disagree with you. I've had lazy days like that. I, I think uh, I have I have some other activities that I prefer, but it's definitely up there for me. Ben, what about you? What is your favorite way to spend a lazy day? Well, um, I will first off say that I don't have a whole lot of 
lazy days lately. <laughs> I think so. I think most people can can, uh, can uh, relate to that. But when I when I have a lazy, let's just say moment, or just want to be lazy in general, um, the usual activity is just to watch YouTube. That's I know I know that sound that's very boring. It's a very mundane question, but like I have a lot of great YouTube channels that I watch. What kind of um, YouTube stuff are we talking about? There's a lot of content. Weird, weirdly enough, my favorite thing on YouTube is gaming. I don't know why. I don't game that much, but I love watching different gamers wow. play games. It's it's a really weird thing that I picked up a long time ago. Um, that I've just been thing. And I like other things. I like educational stuff and you know whatever. I tr I try to devil on that as much as possible but uh yeah so uh that's that's my go-to thing i would prefer to be doing something i would prefer to not be lazy and try to do something productive podcasting whatever but um most of the time if i if i want to do nothing that's it that's very fair that's very fair i i enjoy let's plays also like ever since somebody presented this argument to me i, I work in the sports industry and so uh, I, I watch a lot of sports. I, I work in sports. And for a while there, I thought it was kind of weird to pull up YouTube videos and watch other people play video games when you could just play them yourself. But it's like, but it's like sports broadcasting in a way. Essentially, that, that's kind of what some friends of mine helped me realize is it's a lot like when people are watching a football game. You may not want to play it yourself, but you enjoy watching other people who are good at it play it themselves. And when I when I came to that realization, I was like, oh, that's that's a really interesting take. That's that's really cool. And uh, ever since then, I've I've enjoyed I, I, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. One of my guilty let's play pleasures is uh, Markiplier because he um. makes the weirdest facial expressions of any Let's Play gamer that I watch. <laughs> He's like, whoa, oh that God. makes me uncomfortable. Oh, what's going to happen? Like, I love watching Mark play, like, scary games. It's the best thing ever. Um, but that's not how I spend a lazy day. The way that I spend a lazy day is, first, I sleep in. <laughs> if I know that I've got a lazy day coming up, I will stay up late the night before. Yes. And will not do anything, uh, maybe binge watch a TV show or something. And then I'm up till 2, 3, 4 in the morning and I'll sleep the heck in. And then after I do that, I'll make myself like a really big breakfast slash brunch type of thing. Uh, lots of different foods, stuff that's really filling and, and full of protein. And uh, then I'll maybe go to the movies if there's anything good. Uh, playing, and if there's not, then I'll just find something in my movie collection that I haven't seen yet or haven't seen in a while, and uh, I'll put something on, and I'll probably get on social media and you know try and see what other people are up to on that particular lazy day. But uh, the the general idea is to do as little as possible. I I don't want to get wrapped up in a in a particular game or a campaign because then I feel like I'm putting in effort. And to be honest, sometimes I don't want to get too wrapped up in like an emotionally charged TV show either, because then I feel like I'm like investing my emotions into it. So usually if it's a lazy day, I'm putting on something mindless like a sitcom, The Office, Friends, Parks and Rec, New Girl, something like that. And I've just got it on in the background while I'm doing as next to nothing as I possibly can. Zach, how many times have you ran through the entirety of Friends? 
at least seven times. <laughs> That's awesome, man. 236 episodes, so I've <clears throat> seen over a thousand episodes of Friends, essentially. That's like Damn. somewhere like 1,400 to 1,500-ish. Yeah, yeah, pretty close. So, yeah, I... I, I have a problem, but what I do is I'll keep it on in the background or whatever. You know, it's not like something that I get super, super involved in. I could have it on in my room while I'm doing homework or while I'm reading or while I'm on social media or whatever. And it's weird because I know the punchlines that are coming up. I will finish <laughs> their sentences oh and God. then still laugh at the jokes. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's the it's the weirdest thing. That is like that and Game of Thrones are my two favorite TV shows. Um, so let's let's see. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. That's why I love it that the Game of Thrones creators are going to make a Star Wars film series. Like what? <laughs> I'm I'm very excited. Incredible. For that. Who would have predicted that? Uh, I mean, it makes sense because you need strong storytelling in the galaxy far, far away. And as far as world building and storytelling goes, Benioff and Weiss have done it better than just about anybody in the wow. in recent years. Uh, let's see. Ooh, this is a really good one. This is a really good one, especially for those of us who work and are in school and we want to get away. Here's the here's the final icebreaker discussion before we get into our actual movie discussion for the night. If you could pack up and leave on vacation today, where would you be off to, Ben? Oh, <clears throat> whoa! This is this me too, is, Ben. This is this is a tough one. Um, I freaking love San Francisco, and I would go there on a heartbeat again. I've only been there, I've been there a couple times, actually. I think. But that city is amazing. And in as many I, – I, I've been, like, I want to say, like, somewhere close by that, like, I go to all the time. But, like, no, no. If I could just take off and go, that's where I'd go because that city is amazing and beautiful. And uh, I, I, that would be the one place that I would actually want to live, <laughs> to be honest. But as far as vacation goes, it's a wonderful place to visit. cost of living in San Francisco say. is a big Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the factors. Then again, that, isn't isn't cost of living like crap in L.A. as well? The cost of living in California is just yeah. crap in general. That's why I like to visit California, but I don't see myself living there, unfortunately. But uh, what about what about you, Jeff? Would you visit so, California, or would you go somewhere else? Um, so I I visited I have visited many places in the Western U.S. and many places in the Eastern U.S. But there is a place in the eastern U.S. that I have not been to that I would love to go to, and that is New York City. Mm. It, because the culture is so different. It's about being a pedestrian, walking around, riding a, a, a taxi cab. Like The culture there is, is very different from, from out west, and... It's just everything's all packed together. So many apartments. Like I was playing a fictional version of New York City, you know, a big open world in the Spider-Man video game on PS4 that released last year. And oh yeah, I've seen the graphics. It is They're gorgeous. You got to get this game, Zach. It is beautiful. Like it's it's a small portion. It, they had to truncate it due to for for obvious size reasons, but like. Just that is incredible, the way that city is. I would love to visit the real-life New York City. That would be great. 
That's a that's a really solid answer. And and what's kind of funny is I I could really see myself either going far west or far east. Like it's hard for me to narrow anything down cuz what's what's really weird is I love adventures, but I'm also a creature of habit. And so mm-hmm. once I get into a groove, I'm also like, okay, I can find stuff to do here that I know I'm going to enjoy. I I've done it before, so I'll do it again. If if I was yeah. going someplace completely new, completely different, um, I would probably shoot. Uh, I would probably go to someplace like somewhere in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. I think I think I would go to the Caribbean. Maybe Jamaica, maybe Aruba, maybe Puerto Rico. I know it's I know it's technically not a Caribbean island, but, uh, I've got some, uh, some friends who have family members out there. I might be able to, to mooch off of them. Um, but I, I love islands. I love beaches. Uh, and I, I love the, the Caribbean culture, the Caribbean music, Caribbean food. So, uh, I would probably go there if I was going someplace new, if I was going someplace that I've been before, I would probably want to go to San Diego. I loved when I went to San Diego last summer. They've got amazing beaches also. They've got uh, some some great Hispanic culture being that close to the Mexican border. Uh, and they've uh, they've got some really some really beautiful landmarks and it's a very chill environment. So uh, if I was going on vacation, I would actually feel relaxed in uh, in San Diego. so those those would be my choices. Cool. <sighs> actually warm. Yeah, really. Compared to what I've been going through right now, today's high was 35 Fahrenheit with a wind chill of 27 or something like that. So it was cold enough to, to feel below freezing, but it wasn't cold enough for like ice and freezing rain and sleet and stuff like that. So it was just... Ugh. It was it was just very blah all day today. I mean, uh, I live in Arizona, Zach, and the, the high for today was forty eight degrees. And for us Arizonans, that's like we're 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 really cold. About, we're frozen icicles. You're about to die. <laughs> yep. I I I know that feeling. I, Texas is very similar in that regard, uh, especially South Texas. Uh, I live I live in the North Texas area, so we get some of that that cold front before anybody else does. But uh, our friend Dave Gramillion, who lives in San Antonio, uh, he does not like it when the weather gets below fifty. Ooh. So Ooh. Nope. Uh, I I get it, man. I do. I'm not a fan. I'm ready for spring weather. Stupid groundhog. We need to get rid of the groundhog. Maybe man. then we'll fix up the weather. Screw you, Puxatoni Phil, whatever your name is. I don't even know. I call him Dinner. <laughs> is Gramillion doing well? I, I haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, from what I understand, his show is getting a lot of uh, acclaim down in the San Antonio area. Nice. It's one of the most popular uh, weekend talk programs in the area. So yeah. uh, very, very happy for him. And I believe Get Your Geek On is going to be one of the uh, podcast presenters at Celebration in Chicago. That is indeed correct. So, I mean, they're they're making names for themselves on all fronts, which is really cool. Congratulations to them. Wish them the very best. Yeah. If you live in the San Antonio area, be sure to check them <laughs> out. 
because uh, I worked on his old old iteration of the show when it used to be on Channel Eleven Thirty Eight, and yeah, Dave's a, Dave's a good podcast host. I I do like his style. The good old days, right before people move onward and upward. Hey, we're, we're still here, right? <laughs> Such is the nature of the business, I suppose. Hey, we're, we're but, all still uh, here, Zach. <laughs> yeah, for now. <laughs> oh, don't I'm jinx it, man. <laughs> I'm just a, hey, maybe it's a reverse jinx. Who knows? <laughs> I I can't say for sure. But one thing that I can say is we probably need to get into our discussion for the evening. We're about a half hour into the program now. Uh, it's probably about time we actually talk about what we said we were going to talk about, which is the Lego Movie 2, the second part. What an original title, right? <laughs> but um, before we before we get into anything that's like super detailed, let's just go through our quick spoiler-free impressions, what we thought of it when we saw it. I actually saw it today, like the day that we recorded this episode. I saw it day of. You guys are a couple of days removed from it, but still probably very fresh on your minds. Um what what did you guys make of this movie, uh, Jeff? I'm I'm gonna throw it to you Man. first. What are what are your impressions of Lego yeah. Movie Two and how it stacks up to the original? I'm going for for just this. I'm gonna set aside all this idea of whether a, whether a film should be good or bad or whatnot, and only base it off of whether I enjoyed it. And holy heck, I enjoyed this movie. Like, the references, the jokes, the puns, the jolliness. It was so jolly. I was humming its songs when I was leaving the theater. I had such an optimistic point of view. I was so enthusiastic and hyped and happy. And I I had a jolly old time, let me tell you, Zach. It, It was such an incredible experience. It's for me it's always incredible just going to the movie theater but this movie was just so jolly and fun and i it it reminds me that it's been five years since i've seen the lego movie in theaters so you know i mean a lot of critics have said it's similar to the lego movie in some ways but i having those five years of rumination and watching other stuff, it's nice to see just a jolly film. I was really impressed by it. I enjoyed it a lot. Ben, what are your thoughts on this film? I, I'm, I'm leaning in the direction of Jeff. I don't know if I'm quite there. I think that, I think it was a, it was a, it was a pretty good sequel. I think it was a pretty good movie in general. I think it was fairly solid in its way of balancing, doing the sequel thing that you expect as far as like, you know, recreating scenes and, and following up with the movie, but also trying to do something different. I think it did a well-balanced version of trying to be its own thing while also being a good sequel and giving you the stuff and giving everyone the stuff that they expect from a Lego movie sequel. If it's something completely different, people aren't going to recognize it or whatever. Obviously, you have to throw in some interesting things, um, but they didn't like. They didn't just do everything is awesome again. Like, and I will, you know, well, sort of. And they did, but they didn't. I think they they went in the direct. They went even more in that direction. Really, it surprised me. And I will warn people: it's a musical almost. Like, it has a lot of music, a lot more music than the first one. Um, there was one yeah. scene in particular. I'll get into it later. I'm like. 
oh, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> like this is this is happening. I'm watching this because I was surprised by that. And I'm not saying I had really overall negative reaction to it, but it just kind of caught me off guard that they they went that direction. Um, and it was different. It was unique, and I appreciate them going that route. Um, I think overall, spoiler free. I think it's a good movie. I'm not sure. I'm not. It's not the best movie of the year by far. Um, it's not anything spectacular, but I think if you enjoyed the first one, you'll probably enjoy this one. If you weren't a big fan of this first one, maybe wait and see it later. I don't know. Um, I enjoyed the first one. I enjoyed yeah. it the second time I watched it. I, I I enjoyed myself watching this one. I can't really like. I can't like. I'm not gonna say it's the best, but it's also. When I watched in the theater, I was like, "Okay, I'm glad I saw that. I'm glad that I uh, I enjoyed what I got out of it." So, yeah, I I I don't know what my my plan score is going to be. It could be lower or higher depending on how which of you brings up some really good points about why this movie is bad. Oh no! <laughs> and so I, it may go down. It may go down. But for right now, it's pretty high. Here we go, Zach. Here we go. I I I'm not gonna trash this movie. <laughs> I'm 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 not going to trash this movie and and here's here's a very simple reason why. This movie was not created with me in mind. This movie mm. was not made to appeal to a 25-year-old white male who watches a lot of superhero flicks. I it, it, I mean it had some of those jokes in there and those were probably the jokes and and references that I enjoyed the most, but that's not who this movie is for. It's for young people who are trying to figure out how to, uh, to, to embrace their originality and trying to, um, try, trying to figure out who they are and, and hold on to their imagination and creativity for as long as possible. That, that's one of the central themes of this movie. And I respect it because there are a lot of other movies that have done similar things in the past. Toy Story 3 comes to mind, especially. You know, you've got somebody like Andy who has had these toys for years and years on end. And he still finds a way to connect with Bonnie and help her embrace her imagination as he grows up and moves on to adulthood. That's basically what the Lego Movie 2 is in a certain regard. It's about appealing to those kids who loved Lego Movie 1 five years ago. They're five years older now. If they were nine when they watched that film, they're 14 now. And they may be getting older and they may be experiencing new emotions and, and going through some stuff that they weren't going through when they were nine. And it's almost like a transition type of movie, helping kids understand that, yeah, growing up can be a pain, but it's... Not all bad. And I, I tr I'm really, really trying to see like that light. And, I, and I'm, I'm hoping that you guys help me continue to, to see that light um, as we continue to talk about it tonight. Because the 25-year-old in me wants to trash this movie. I'm not going to lie. I, I fell asleep at one point in the theater. Oh, it was so I... funny. So next to my mom in the theater, there was this like lady, like she was like audibly snoring <laughs> like halfway through, man. <laughs> it was I so funny. I wasn't I wasn't that bad, but there was a sequence in the movie <clears throat> where I did nod off a bit because I'm in comfortable leather seats. I didn't sleep very well the night before. There's a lot of other factors mm. involved, whatever. So it wasn't just the movie you admitted. <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm admitting that there were other factors, but the fact remains, if I had been seeing Aquaman, I would have been wide awake the whole time. 
I would have forced myself awake. I didn't force myself awake for this film. And I don't I don't really know what that's a testament to. But yes, I fell asleep a little bit during this film because that particular sequence was not interesting to me. It was not appealing to any of the things that I enjoy as a moviegoer. And there are a lot of elements like that in this film for me personally. There are there are a lot of sequences that I personally did not care for. I get that other people enjoyed it, and I got quite a bit of backlash on social media for oh. you know saying that I feel like I threw my money away and things like that. That probably was a little bit harsh. You with your but, hot takes, man. <laughs> I mean, these days, pretty much anything you say can get backlash on social media. It, yeah, so. I mean, I, I really take it with a grain of salt. But for me personally, it, it wasn't super transformational. It wasn't super amazing. It wasn't as good as the original to me. And I... I had more complaints about it than I had praise for it. So I'm really glad that we've kind of got this trio discussing this movie because we've got the super hyped perspective. (laughs) We've got the, yeah, there was some good and there was some bad. And then we've got me sitting over here in the corner going. Grouchy, grouchy old man Zach over here. Everybody get off my lawn. (laughs) Like I, I'm like I said, there were a lot of of redeeming qualities to it, but there were also just some structural things, some writing things, some plot related things, some some fundamental elements that you were expected to have included in every movie that just weren't executed as well as I would have hoped for. And when that happens, it pulls me out of the enjoyment experience because I'm sitting here going, "Really? You did that? Really? You said that?" Like when I when I have to pull myself out of my suspension of disbelief, like it, it, it draws me into this place of I can't believe that I can't believe what I'm seeing anymore. At least with the Lego movie one, I was able to like suspend my disbelief and be like, Okay, yeah, this is this is just a, a kid's imagination being projected onto these characters and that's why they can do these things, that's why they look the way they look. I was proud of the animation style because it looked like stop-motion animation. This movie felt like it had some more fluid motions to it, and it just felt more deliberately animated. I I don't know. There were a lot of technical things that, so, I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll get into those, maybe we yeah. won't. I, I, I don't know, but I feel like I've been tangenting a little bit too much, so I'm going to quit. <laughs> well, I guess we can get into spoilers now. Sure, sure. I think we've I may rambled on enough a... about... You know our, our 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 takes. I think whether or not you know, guys, you want to go see it. If you, if you like, I said, I think if you like the first one, you'll probably enjoy this one. If you're not, you're not. I think it's not really this. It's not a movie that I think that begs seeing it in the theater. I wanted to see it in the theater because I wanted to be on this podcast, and it wouldn't be really awkward yeah. if I'd shown up and not seen it. And it's, um, yeah. so it's kind it's of best awkward. way. Best way to watch a movie is in the theater, super big screen, surround sound. You cannot get that at home. Oh yeah, of course. It, it. I. I would see. I would waste my money on the worst movie to see in the theaters. Well, maybe not the worst <laughs> movie, but some. I've, I've watched some pretty bad movies in theaters. But anyway, that all said, I think Lego Movie Two is okay. It's okay. I think the general consensus. I love is, this movie. It's I love fine. It. It's fine, Man. and you know you'll probably enjoy it. Um, now, granted, I'm not. Aware. I'm not a film aficionado like Zach Arnold is. 
but I did not, love this film. Jeez, geez. I'm not. I'm not claiming to be like a film expert. Obviously, I'm only podcasting. I'm not like writing for a newspaper or anything like that. Uh, or, or Zachary Arnold, the the, the film snob. <laughs> I just here. Here's here's my here's my perspective as as a writing major and just as a writer in general. If I feel like I can come up with a better story than what's presented to me on screen, I get frustrated because those people got paid bukus of cash to write this story, and here I am barely getting my bills paid doing the things that I'm doing. And and so if, if I feel like I am putting money into somebody else's pocket when I could do a better job than they did, I get frustrated. That's why I love shows like Daredevil. I could not write on the Daredevil staff. I admit to it. I could not have been on the screenplay team for Aquaman. I will admit to that. I am not qualified to write convoluted stories for the cast of Game of Thrones. I will admit to that. But I definitely feel like I could have written a better story than the one that was presented in Lego Movie 2. I feel like I was giving some examples of that on last week's episode of IPC talking about what kind of elements they could have included here in in this in this second movie and they didn't deliver the way that i hoped they would and so when those storylines i'm not saying that because they didn't deliver the storyline i wanted it's a bad movie that would make me sound like a last jedi hater um (laughs) but i i am saying if i feel like i could do a better job then i i get a little disturbed I, I don't know how else to put it, really. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Well, let's get into it. Let, let's get into it then, because I was actually rather hopeful when I when I first saw the way that they kicked things off. You know, you you've got like a little bit of a flashback going on, and and the Duplos land in Bricksville the way they did at the end of the movie five years ago. I'm like, okay, this is cool. They are picking up practically exactly where they. Wait left a second. Off. The, the Last Jedi did the same thing, and all y'all were critical about it back in 2017. Oh boy. Don't bring up old wounds, Jeff. <laughs> Wait, are, are you saying that Zach's like this for the Lego Movie 2 because it's right after Lego Movie 1? The reason I'm more critical of The Last Jedi is because literally no other Star Wars movie has picked up immediately where another one left off, and it was unsettling. You know, the what? Le- you know what? The Lego movie has set no such precedent until now. And so now the expectation is if you're going to do that, you need to have a transition from one movie to the next that is somewhat seamless. Well, the difference between Force the Last Jedi and Lego Movie 2 is Lego Movie 2 didn't have to do that. Last mm-hmm. Jedi did. And that was Dis- probably a mistake on Force Awakens' part. We're not going to get into that right now. I do Disagree? like that. I do like how we got this, you know, kind of opening shot. They open it right up off. And I I was wondering, like, are they going to go in that direction of setting up, like, the Duplos destroyed everything? And that's basically what we got. Like, this sequence moves so fast. Like, all of a sudden, boom, Apocalypseburg as a replacement of Bricksburg. And everyone's, like, fighting for survival. And everyone's all tough and stuff. And, you know, of course, Emmett is not, you know, he's still jolly old Emmett, and I love that. But, like, it's crazy how fast things move in the beginning here. Yeah, and, and that that's one of the things is I think I would have enjoyed seeing how <coughs> Bricksburg devolved, 
you know, because if, if you're if you're going to show something like that, then let's show it instead of just saying five years later, this is where we are. I'm like, oh, OK, all of a sudden we've gone from Utopia to the Lego version of Mad Max Fury Road. Actually, I think my mom was like, is that Mad Max? <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah, no, yeah. no, for real. Like, that's I'm incredible. sure that's where they got their inspiration from. And the and the whole, you know, cluttered uh, half of a Statue of Liberty is something straight out of Planet of the Apes. So, I mean, they've got solid inspiration for where they came up with this dystopian universe from. I get it. And I actually admired it. Um, but, you know, after that, it was like, oh, okay, so now we're going this direction. I like post-apocalyptic adventures. I like dystopian universes. I... I was a little bit more upset with everything else, but we're not we're not quite there yet. Um, the idea of Emmett not being phased was a very interesting interpretation in my mind because there are some people who can just be perpetually uh, optimistic, and those types of people tend to stand out during unfortunate situations and circumstances. And and Emmett stuck out like a sore thumb. But what I found really weird was that Lucy was of the opinion that he just wasn't growing up. And that's where I felt like the whole appealing to adolescence was going on because, like I said, there's people who are like 8 or 9 who are now 13 or 14 when this movie comes out who are expected to quote-unquote grow up and maybe they're not ready for that kind of responsibility yet. So you're going back to the whole projecting personalities onto the characters just in a different way. You have to remember Zach that, um, why can't I remember that, that wild style, like it's interesting. How, how does she deal with this big change to Bricksburg and everything that's going on? And like, so there would be a lot of trauma associated. And so I think it makes sense because the fact that she, you know, it's revealed at the end of the movie, sort of, kind of, that she uses that as a way to deflect her hardened feelings of ever of and guilt of everything going on. So I think it actually makes sense for her to be like that. And the idea of him, of her telling um, Emmett to grow up, it, it was kind of a foreshadowing of some Emmett stuff that we get later in the film, in a way, and it's. It's it's interesting showing how Wildstyle is repressing some of her true beliefs, as we see in the end. I think it's a pretty cool personality change a little bit. I I don't feel like it was necessarily unexpected because she kind of had that darker approach in the first movie. Right. What I found unsettling was if those two are supposed to be that close, whether you're putting them together romantically or just as friends, I don't care. If they're that close, then Emmett, as a friend, needs to be a little bit more sensitive to the way uh, Wildstyle feels about the current state of affairs. And it's almost like he's completely oblivious to her feelings. Like, she is having a moment, and he's like, hey, I got your coffee. Oh, did I just ruin your moment? I don't really care. Here's your coffee. Like, well, if, if, I think... If, I mean, I, I think obviously, and as we learned by the end, Emmett just is Emmett, and you have Wildstyle, who uh, I think you know, yeah, Emmett's kind of oblivious to everything, but at the same time, Wildstyle ultimately is faking it. 
she is yeah. not the darkness. She's not trying. She's she's been influenced by Batman. I guess she's trying to be the darkness, and she's not. And she is that. She is Emmett deep down inside. But she's trying to put on this facade of this thing, and ultimately it 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 comes out both figuratively and and physically and and, and, and like and visually. I think at this the is end. this is represented. You know, in the Lego Movie, she's Batman's Batman's girlfriend for for the, for a good chunk. And now, like, when do we see Batman with wild style? Hardly ever in the Lego Movie too. So I think you know that she it shows that she's not as that tough as nails dark and broody and they do make fun of the emmett and i love that scene where emmett's like oh you go about to be broody now <laughs> I thought, I mean, that's so jolly and hilarious but i i actually like how wild style was progressed in this movie well I, yeah. I think the thing that that i liked about about her character was that she got to assert some leadership qualities either directly or or indirectly because when uh, when they're quote unquote invaded at the at the early portion of the movie, she kind of stands up as the leader of the group, and then when they when they are captured by Queen whatever Wanabe, uh, she is the <laughs> one that's that's kind of the most vocal out of all the characters that are in the throne room. So she's she's kind of taking charge, which is like now that, there should be a that disclaimer Im- that Emmett is not there with them. Well, Emmett's just talkative as heck and like we said super oblivious so he'd be trying to make friends with the queen while wild style is uh rather uh i I wouldn't say uh what is it it's not curious it's um skeptical skeptical why am i bad with the words right now (laughs) i know exactly how you feel because i whenever i need a specific word it's just gone out of my head and I didn't even have any happy juice before this show. It was just like, <laughs> oh, die by words. Okay. Uh, she She's very skeptical of the queen, and, and she's even more skeptical of, uh, of the song that's presented, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, you know, that skepticism is something that, that's very needed of a leader. You don't just embrace things oh, right man. off the bat because you embrace things. Uh, a, a leader is somebody who looks at both sides of the equation, tries to figure out what's best for herself and for her group, weighs all the options, figures out the pros and the cons. And you can kind of see Wildstyle doing that throughout the course of this entire movie, which, in my opinion, I, I know this may be a, a, a little bit of a hot take, but in my opinion, I feel like she was more a star in this movie than Emmett even was. And they even make fun of it in this movie that, you know, and kind of and even goes back to the old movie trope of like, uh, what is it? Captain, whatever her name is, that shows up at the beginning, the the alien, um, presumed alien, um, is like, oh, so you're. So you were the hero, but a uh, a dude came along and took he, all the credit for it. Basically, a, 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 du- a dude came along, didn't really do much, but he was still called the hero anyways. <laughs> like, I love that. Like, I mean, it's very true, and that happens in a lot of movies, I mean, not like, just this one. Like, Emmett just kind of bumbles through the plot of the first movie, and she's the one fighting all the battles, basically. Um, it's not until, you know, you know, the end and kind of into this movie where he's kind of trying to do something. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, General Mayhem is her name. General voice, Mayhem. There voiced you go. by... And it was very... 
Stephanie <laughs> Stephanie Beatrice. Okay. Great, a great actress. Like she she did a really solid job. They all did a really solid job with uh, with yeah. the roles that they were given. I mean, yeah, you got Tiffany Haddish as the queen, whatever I want to be. Oh um, man, you've got um, I mean, oh dude, the original cast back. Ben, it was hilarious. So Tiffany Haddish plays a character in the Secret Life of Pets two. There was a preview for that before the airing of the of the Lego Movie two, and like me and my mom were just like. She sounds familiar. Like, oh, she's from the trailer we watched. Like, I thought it was hilarious. Sorry, carry on, Ben. <laughs> no, no, no. I pretty much finished there. But, like I, like, I, 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 like, I think that's one of the strong points of this movie is that really great voice cast. Will Arnett as Batman. I, oh, my God. I laughed so hard at his, his voice role. It was incredible. <laughs> the one the one joke that I really liked was when the Justice League is boarding the ship to go after the uh the quote unquote aliens. Um they they're like, Where's Batman? He's like, Oh, he's on his own solo adventure. I'm like that's that's a good one. We don't even know what's going on with that film. I don't know. <laughs> and then Batman yeah. is like, I've got like three films in development, like in various <laughs> stages. They they do they do do a lot of self referencing yes. like that. I, I I enjoyed that. And when they when they outright said that they reached out to Marvel but never heard back from them, <laughs> Marvel won't answer our calls. I'm like, oh gosh, that is perfect. I was like, okay, okay, I see you. You you could have tried to put somebody in there, but you didn't. And then the the fact that they they sent. Uh, the so Jason critical. Momoa Aquaman, but they've still got the original Aquaman and the the Mary Poppins knockoff Gary Hoppins or something like that. <laughs> I was like, what the heck am I watching right now? It's a funny it's funny how Aquaman is this big badass character now, but they're still making Aquaman jokes like about the original Aquaman. Like about just how lame he is. Just the Bruce Willis voice. Oh my god. I love the what? Bruce Willis jokes. Like, they were so weird because there was a different scene where Batman was like, I'm Bruce. And for those of people who don't know, he's Bruce Wayne. It's like, what, Bruce Willis? Like, But, like, the amount of references to him was mildly amusing. Was that actually Bruce Willis? Yes, it he was. played he played himself. Oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. He played, he played the Lego version of himself in a cameo situation, yeah. I love it. He's like, uh, I don't totally not live up here <laughs> this duck oh, yeah, that's, like, that's, like that's like a total diehard reference like people who love diehard would love that scene. and like i was talking to someone i'm like this is like these jokes are gonna go over kids heads like a 10 year old these days probably doesn't even know who bruce willis is <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's totally for adults I wonder how many people got the references that Chris Pratt did towards Rex Dangervest and like referencing all of Chris Pratt's characters. He he he's basically completely self-referential Man. with Rex. I mean, everything from you know losing uh, losing losing parents to becoming a, a space outlaw to you know time travel to the Raptors. Like all these different things that he's done, and then he's like, he hid all of it under a la- layer of baby fat, and I'm like, oh, that's a Parks and Rec reference. Okay, like they did they did a lot of of stuff with oh Chris Pratt God. in this movie, yeah. and honestly, I was pretty impressed at his uh, his his vocal range because mm-hmm. Chris Pratt is is more of a face to face actor, like he he's more of a live action actor. Let's let's be honest. 
He has but the looks be, for it, man. <laughs> but to be able to voice two different characters in one movie, like that takes some skill. And I know that that and, was and like a, it, this it was like a storytelling thing that brings everything kind of full circle. Yes, yeah. but you you have to be able to flex your voice just enough to make them sound different, but not so different that it's like oh it's not the same dude. And this was this was different from what Mark Hamill did with The Last Jedi, voicing Dabu Sky and, of course, being Luke, like, where Dabu Sky was just a cameo. Like, Emmett and Rex were two big characters. They were. And, okay, let's, let's, since we're on this subject really quick, did you see the big reveal coming? That, that, I knew, I, I knew, I knew one, of, I knew somebody was going to be somebody from the future, but I, for some reason, that I guess was so obvious that Rex and Emmett are basically the same. But uh, you know, it, yeah, it gets. Uh, I, I like that, and I think it, I think it actually struck a good little emotional moment with it. I think I think it was pretty pretty nicely done towards the end. It, I. I'm not the type of person that tries to predict things in films. Like when I see something for the first time, everything's like new to me. So I'm like, whoa, okay, okay. Um, but, but yeah, I did not see it coming. I, I did think it was weird the way they used time travel and how they kind of did. <clears throat> well, we'll talk about that plot device later, Zach. <laughs> uh, basically, when I saw the Velociraptors and the way they were making Chris Pratt references, I was like, oh, that's another Chris Pratt. They wouldn't use him twice, so that's got to be like a clone or. <coughs> Uh, a long lost brother or something like that. And then when he said something to the effect of like, not the Emmett Brukowski, I'm a huge fan. I'm like, hmm. no, no, <laughs> no, come on. No. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't feel like here, here's, here's like the, the catch 22. This is where everything kind of comes full circle. I don't feel like Rex would have even existed if Wildstyle had embraced Emmett for who he was at the very beginning. The That's only true. the only reason we get Rex Dangerfest is because he feels like he has to change because his best friend wants him to change. And then he ends up trying to change the Emmett that we know and love. Yeah. And now that Emmett is becoming more like the guy that he is like envious of because he wants to be tougher to prove to Lucy that he can be tougher. It's all Wild Style's fault, basically. Yeah, and and Emmett is in when she leaves, when she's taken by the Duplo people. Um, like Emmett is completely insecure because of her, because right. of her kind of badgering of a "you need to grow up, you need to be, you know, you need to get in in your head in the game." As far as like the the, the situation we have here, gotta get your, um, get, your, get, your, get your head in the game. <laughs> gotta get your, get your head in the game. Come on, get but, my like, get my head in the game. Sorry. I oh, love High but, School Musical, dude. Oh man, brother, um, this is not this is not not the time for that. Not the time. Um, but I liked I liked that you know you kind of it was kind of a self thing for her to kind of realize, but also it was it was you know detrimental to him because he would have not been so susceptible to Rex and his kind of games and and his whole evil plan as it turned out if it hadn't been. For if he'd been self confident and I'm who I need to be and not who I I need to change, um, you know, he and Rex wouldn't have got along so well. 
Yeah, that's the other thing is, you know, because of the way Lucy talked to him, he's now susceptible to Rex's peer pressure. Like he's right. he's he's sitting because there going, Rex can, oh, Rex, Rex can use that against him. It's like, hey, are you going to grow up? Right. He he knows how to use it against him because he is him. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. He he knows exactly what to say and what to do to get Emmett where to he, to manipulate to manipulate him and to change him into being somebody that he's not. And therein lies like probably the deepest storytelling that we get in this movie is the idea that you need to change in order to be accepted by those that are close to you. That's a very real thing that middle schoolers and high school freshmen have to deal with. And again, I'm going back to this five-year timestamp. If you are anywhere from, you know, ages 8 to 11 when you saw the first Lego movie, you are anywhere between the ages of like 13 and 16 for this movie. And so you're going through different things. You're going through peer pressure. You're going through junior high. You're going through freshman year of high school. You're going through physical changes, mental changes, emotional changes. And in that regard, I get what themes Lego Movie 2 is trying to hit on. But there are also times where I feel like they probably bit off more than they could chew. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I quite liked what they tried to do with this and in kind of like expanding on the mythology of this. Gonna and that's one of the things I was expecting in this movie. It's like okay, it's gonna have there's gonna be some type of connection to the real world. There's gonna be some kind of it's, everything happening in this Lego world is supposed to be a metaphor on what's happening in the real world, but also what kind of what moral message are they trying to tell us here? Well, that's kind of stuff and. I, you know, it was interesting to kind of go into the movie with that, as opposed to you know, you go in the first one not knowing what to expect. Um, I, I something I really loved. Sorry, Ben, but what I really no, loved about this movie was we saw big character development with Emmett, with Wildstyle, with Unikitty, and we saw these characters adapt in a way and change and evolve, and we learned a lot more about them that we didn't know from the first movie. And that provides a completely different perspective on things. I thought it was really cool, you know, and to put in the Queen Wanabi, which I thought her her singing voice, oh, that was incredible. I love that character and the music she was associated with. And just, I, I thought it was really cool character development. Yeah, that first scene where she's like, oh, I'm not evil, and she goes in the song, I'm like, that was the one that was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a musical. They're they're and, going full bore into this. And what's weird about that song is that, and this kind of struck me when the fake out, the flip, the the flip occurred in the film where you realized, oh, what Emmett and Rex are doing are bad. It's like, oh, she was actually being genuine that she's trying to, she's not being evil. Even even though Wildstyle was like, wait, no, you're evil. What what are you doing? She's trying to brainwash you. You're evil. And so, like, that fake-out that I mentioned you know, was a little jarring because of that perspective that Wildstyle gave. Yeah. Well, and then she kind of exemplifies it perfectly where when she finally figures out from, uh, from who is it, Mayhem, that they, they really do want to bring the worlds together. She's like, wait, so you weren't bad guys all along? You guys are just terrible communicators then. <laughs> 
And she's not wrong. They were terrible communicators. They were. And I think that's the other thing that was frustrating to me. I, is I, I can see you not liking that, Zach. I'm a communication major. My yeah. bachelor's degree that hangs on my wall is literally <laughs> in communication. Like, oh my gosh. When you've got that kind of a language and, and communication discrepancy going on, it frustrates the living daylights out of me. Not because it's a plot twist, but because if you're really that bad at communicating, how the hell did you end up the queen of the Sistra system? Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> what? I, I mean, in in perspective, I now really, really enjoy the song Shiny from Moana because it's not Queen Whatever's song. I was I was not I was not a fan of of Shiny as of like 48 hours ago. <laughs> but now I'm sitting here going at least this guy was expressing his intent in a clear and creative and constructive manner. The, well, the Queen Whatever she just put un in front of a lot of words. And I know that like the writers did that intentionally to to kind of like fake you out a little bit. Yeah. But from a communicator's perspective, please come up with a synonym for undeceitful or something like that. Like, oh my gosh. Well, that was part of the joke. Like they they were yeah. like she's like, You're just putting I think Wildstyle says, like, you're just putting un in front of a bunch of words. Like you're not even beating you're not, you're not even trying. Yeah, they they didn't they didn't put in enough effort. They didn't try hard enough, and I I don't I don't know. Like, I. Uh, but do I'm they? But do not, they need uh, to, Zach? Not everyone it ha- gets a four year bachelor's degree in communications like you, Zach. So like, there are everyday people who are not the best at communicating, and 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 this this way is also, as Ben said, to support a joke. So like. It's not inherently that bad. I, I mean, from your perspective, you know, I see, I see that, Zach. But it's, it, I, I find it very funny, and I, I, I think it's cute and amusing. <laughs> I mean, I, I think this world, this cruel, cruel world, has proven you don't have to be an articulate communicator to become the leader of your realm. I mean, just look at the freaking United States, man. Um. I, that, Ooh, that's that's oh, about as, okay. We're going there. That's about as political. <laughs> Let's as not I'm go anywhere get further. On this show, I'm not going any further than that. But there's my <laughs> hot take for the night. Just <laughs> boom. Good night, Zach, everybody. Zach Arnold is on fire tonight, everybody. Uh, I, all right. I just... So we, we talked about the music. You talked about what, what, okay, Jeff. I'm going to ask you first. All right. What all was right. your favorite? What was your favorite song from this one? Oh my god. Uh oh boy. There were a lot of songs. There was a Motley Crue song that was played briefly. There were a couple <laughs> 80s tunes that I was, man, I'm like, mom and I love 80s tunes and we're just like jamming, man. Um, but if I, oh man, I think it was the it, Everything's Not Awesome because it is done in such a redeeming sort of like fashion. That was at the point <laughs> of the movie where I, they, they did. There was another fake out right there, but I thought it was legit going to end. I'm like, no, you're not going to end it here. Like you're actually ending it, and of course not. But that song hit me in the tears a little bit, Ben. It was really cool, but just 
I, I but I also loved you know the Queen's music. You know, despite Zach hating her communication methods, uh, I thought it was it was very catchy. It was tuneful. It was jolly, and you know, I thought it was clever uses of of basic music keys. I thought it was really cool. So Zach, do do you have do you even have no. a favorite song, no. or is there's a least least favorite song that you have in mind? Oh no. Uh, eh, uh <laughs> pass. You sound like I've got a. You sound I've like got Eric an answer Wall. if you don't. Uh, here's the deal. I'm I'm kind of with Jeff to to a certain degree with with the everything's not awesome. If they had actually finished the movie that way, I would have been more satisfied than with the ending I ended up getting. Really, you're you're dark and disturbed. I I would have preferred being dark and disturbed. I would have thought that if they had actually ended it right there, it would have opened the door for a well, third movie that starts on a really sad note and then gradually tries to find a way to get better. I would have preferred them actually ending the movie with them being well, put in storage and they're like, oh, thing, things aren't going so great right now. But like, Imagine this, I, Zach. What if it did end like that? And the box office was, you know, you, you guys discussed this on the last IPC episode about, you know, that its box office isn't as good as the first movie. What if, you know, they decide, oh, we don't have the funds to make the Lego Movie three, even though it has this sad cliffhanger, like not not it, the second movie wasn't popular enough. Like, could you imagine if they just never made Lego Movie three? You know, if they, like, that's why I'm happy they ended it on a good note. Brother, if Warner Brothers can find the money to make. Uh, Lego Ninjago movie, Legend of Spinjitzu. Well, they if, can find they can find the funds for Lego Movie Three. If we get to the point, you know, there was a rumor that Lucasfilm was like re- trying to restructure their anthology films after Solo bombed. One bomb can change everything in a in a big business. You never know, Zach. I will respectfully disagree. I think this is. <laughs> I think this is the, the the biggest home run that they have hit in the appeal to kids in recent history for Warner Brothers, especially Warner Animation. So I the first I Lego think, movie, but what about the second one? I I I don't feel like it's like this first weekend is indicative enough to actually say they're not going to make another one. And That's fair. From a from and and from from a storytelling perspective. One of the best storytelling elements that you can have is leaving the audience wanting more. That that's the thing is you've got to have something that hooks people and draws them and wants them back in. Yeah, the kids would be upset, but they'd also be clamoring for a Lego movie to be made sooner rather than later. If you leave it on a cliffhanger, you're getting a Lego movie in two years instead of five years. I will agree that that ending would have been a much bolder choice. Um, I'm not sure I'm totally... I mean, I, I, I liked that it was more of a, you know, more of a, a good ending and more of a thing. But at the same time, like, that would have been, like, I was I was sort of convinced at the moment that they were going to end I it was, like that. I was, I, ready, I, I, was, I was ready to actually get invested in this movie, sit up and go, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> like, when, like, when, like, when the the end sign came up, I was like whoa, you actually went there. And then Wildstyle's like, no, we can't end it right now. And I'm like, ah, crap. And <laughs> and then all of a sudden I lost interest but again. That's, but that's the appeal is that it breaks the fourth wall. 
that's what I think is really cool, Zach. Dead Deadpool broke the fourth wall yeah. way better than Lucy did. Okay, what like, I do what I do like about the actual ending to the Lego movie too, the the final final one <laughs> was that was this reveal at the very last frame that Lucy was was she did she created everything is awesome or she was one of the artists or whatever. And just to see Emmett's shock and surprise, I thought that was the jolliest feeling in the world. It's one of the main reasons why I came out of that movie theater so happy with a jolly grin. I was so happy. Like, I f- these are the kind of movies that I feel jovial and, and jolly watching, man. I, I don't want to go out of that movie crying. Come on, Zach. So one of, one of the <laughs> redeeming elements of whatever comes after that the end fake-out that we got was when the kids are outside playing and Maya Rudolph's mom character starts heading back into the house and you hear somebody call out from within the house and yelling out honey where are my pants Will Ferrell baby I missed him I I legit missed Will Ferrell I don't think I realized what a huge contribution he made to the Lego movie franchise until he was absent from it. Wow. Losing 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 the dad character where he you only hear his voice and he's like, kids, do the thing with the mom <laughs> like whatever. And then she's like, listen to your father's great contribution, kids. Like, it's so obvious <laughs> that that Will Farrell phoned this in. He was Whoa. there for maybe a couple of days on 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 location, and he just provided some some voiceover stuff. He provided the the couple of lines that President Business gave, and then he was out of there. He was so incredibly absent from this movie, and I missed him. You you talk I, about this sack like he was the dominant character in the first movie, and he wasn't. His was still a I mean, brief he cameo. He was a big character, though. You have he w- he was the primary villain, and he was the dad that tied the existentialism together for the whole film. I feel like Will Ferrell's character is one of the biggest, most important of the whole film. If you don't have the dad character, you don't have the Lego world. Period. But the idea if you, with if you don't have President Business, then you don't have the Craggle, which is the threat to the Lego world. In the first place. But that's the thing. That's what the first movie was about. The second movie is not really about Will Ferrell. He does not have to have a big role. It's about the brother and the sister, how they're growing up, how they're communicating with each other, how they play with each other and improve their sibling. You know, but, you know, that's, the, but that's the problem. Is do, you they, need, do you need Will Ferrell to come back in? And... They, the, the, the problem is they don't communicate. And and they're not feeding off of each other. They're clashing with one okay, another. Okay. Okay. Well, you have you have to clarify this. What do you mean by not? Oh, you mean literally that they're just in conflict? No. Well, they're they're literally physically in conflict, but the the stories that they want to tell are in conflict as well. And when you've got conflicting storylines being told, you've also got a a conflicting set of characters that are going on it's almost like if you've got gi joes playing with barbies you know it's it it it, it just kind of i'm not i'm not trying to like make this a sexist thing i'm it was just the first thing that came to mind but when you when you've got two deviant imaginations that that are that are clashing with one another 
rather than you know this desire for structure and order, which is what Will Ferrell wanted, and imagination is fighting uh, adulthood. It's imagination versus imagination, and it was it was just a little too convoluted for me to try and keep up with. I get that that was kind of the point. Yeah, that is exactly the point, you're, Zach. You're 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 supposed you're supposed to see those two and 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 why uh you know they're they're supposed to get along and the problem was they didn't they never did from the beginning of the movie until like the last 5 minutes they never figured out how to get along and the only way that you see that things have been redeemed is the live action version of uh what's his name Finn going up to Bianca and and trying to settle things in person it it didn't resolve what's going on in the Lego world for me until it was too late. By the time you actually see what's going on in well, the in the revamped Lego universe, I had already <clears throat> lost interest in what was going on. Here's the thing, Zach. I can see why this would confuse you, but but that's kind of the idea that it's What's going on in the plot is not entirely clear, is that there are elements of the real world that are being represented within this Lego storyline, and that they are being collided together, and it's through these these subtle references that you might not always get the first time around. I, I get the feeling this is another Last Jedi scenario where you got to see this multiple times to completely understand what's going on, and... I think that's I think it's a great thing that you know like like just the idea that the the temple being destroyed by Emmett is represented by by Finn you know tearing apart you know Bianca's Lego set I think it's it's a nice parallel between events and, and in a way I agree that you know that could have been more directly used within the plot structure of the film like I can see why you know, like you know people there are a bunch of people like Zach who are a bit confused by it but I think the fact that there are already in the beginning of the film it already sets the stage these new lego characters that we've never seen before what the bleep are they where did they come from I think that already set the stage in that the plot the whole plot is really you know the siblings fighting and I I think it's a really great way of showing it in the Lego movie. I thought it was awesome the way it was shown. No pun intended. Okay, hey, hey, Zach, so, Zach's going on a big old tangent. Jeff can go on a little tangent too, man. Tangents are allowed. Tangents are allowed. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But uh, we are uh, getting getting a little close on uh, time here, and uh, we've got a few more things we wanted to cover before we uh, wrap it up. For the night, but I think uh, Zach, we we got a commercial break coming up, do we not? Yeah, we do. We're we're gonna take a short break here, catch our breath, and uh, go to a, a little commercial break and a station identification, all that good stuff. <laughs> but uh, we're not done yet. We're not done in the slightest. So be sure to stay tuned as this IPC hype function crossover discussion of the Lego Movie Two continues right after this. Hi. This is IPC.
Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? Coming up on some of our final thoughts of the Lego Movie 2. Also going to be giving our planet scores of this movie out of 10. If you are listening, you're most likely listening on iTunes or Google Play. So hit us up on social media at IPC Podcast. And let us know what your planet score is for the Lego Movie 2 if you have seen it. If you've not seen it, then maybe this lively debate has convinced you that you need to go see it for yourself so that you can provide your own opinion on it. But, uh, guys, we're going to move into uh, favorite character, favorite moment, final thoughts, and planet score. That's the last little bit that we've got for the evening. So let's go to character, Mr. White. Who was your favorite character of this film? Oh, man. You know, this movie's loaded with a bunch of characters. There are a lot of cameos, a lot of characters who were here for a quick second, like Will Ferrell's brief cameo that Zach did not like. Um, but... There were only a few major characters in the Lego Movie 2. My favorite one was... um, God, I'm still debating back and forth, but if I had to... It it has to be Wildstyle. I I liked her character development, and while in many ways some progression of the development was a bit rushed, I think... I thought it was really cool how slowly we learned more about her and how like she helped create the song that defines Emmett's life. Everything is awesome. 
the, those are the three words that describes who Emmett is, is everything is awesome. And the fact that Wildstyle was, you know, at the very end of the movie, re- revealed that she was the original artist. You know, the way how she didn't like seeing her original hair being drawn out, I thought that was a fascinating way to reveal it. And you know, the way she develops throughout the film was amazing. So yeah, Wildstyle is my favorite character in the Lego movie too. It's a good choice because she she plays a, a pretty pivotal role in this movie. Ben, what about you? Oh, there's a lot. There's <laughs> quite a few in here. Um, I'm gonna go with. I'm also gonna say Wildstyle. I think I think she had a great character arc. I think I think she was a great she's a great heroine. Great strong female character and I think that's kind of a popular thing these days but I think she was a great character in the sense that she wasn't she was badass but she also had her own things to get over she had her own struggles stuff like that and you know you, you learned a bit more about her and she was you know at this kind of little journey to go on that made it that much more entertaining for her um so yeah I'm gonna go uh just just a little a little deviant um, a little, a little deviant here. Uh, I'm trying to find uh, the uh, the article that backs me up on this, but I am I'm pretty sure one of my one of the best Easter eggs, one of the best um, one one of one of the best like experiences that I had of of this movie was uh, in in reference to something that I don't even know if you guys caught this. My favorite character is actually a collection of characters because I loved the Raptors. Oh, oh yeah. I loved Rex's Raptors and there's a big, there's, there's a, there's a big reason for this because all of the Raptors names are references to other pieces of sci-fi his his in, his entire collection like every name that he gives to the raptors are actually references to other characters from other sci-fi flicks oh my so God. uh the raptors names are revealed there's cobra which is named for sylvester stallone's character of the same name rocky which is again from the rocky balboa series there's also ripley from the Alien franchise is one of the Raptors' names. And Connor is presumably uh, John Connor from the Terminator <clears throat> franchise. Oh, that is so, incredible. So, I mean, it, it's it's a lot more indirect than something like borrowing pieces of the TARDIS and the DeLorean and other time-traveling pieces to create your time-traveling spaceship. That was pretty amusing, too. But to have... Names like Cobra, Rocky, Ripley, and Connor as the names of the different raptors. I would have loved to have one of them named Blue potentially, but oh, yeah. I guess maybe a bit on the nose. Jurassic that may have been World. a little. That may have been a little too on the nose, but I appreciate the creativity that they went to and the the captions that they do. I think there's one point where the 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 raptors have guns on them or something, and they're barking. It's like err err err, oh and the caption just reads pew pew pew. Oh yes, I, dude, I loved that pew pew. Well, one of the guns that Rex shoots is just him saying pew. It's just pew 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 as he's as he's shooting the gun. 
Yeah, so Man. I mean, I know I know Rex is like considered the villain in this movie, but his raptors are pretty awesome. So, well, and then they they live on. They're at the end, and they're living with the cat lady. Yeah, which is funny because I would have thought raptors ate cats, but oh well. <laughs> well, they're they're intelligent. They know they know they shouldn't eat their brothers and sisters. Hey, don't eat the cats. The cats are lovely and adorable, and they love you too. Uh, let's, let's go to favorite moment then. Uh, was there a particular sequence that you guys enjoyed, Ben? I'm going to toss it over to you first. Ooh, ooh. Um, you know what? I'm going to tie it in because I didn't actually answer my own question earlier. (laughs) I'm going to say, um, my favorite song is the, the catchy song, the thing. For some reason, just, it, it literally caught inside my head and I, I, Genuinely like that song. Out of some of the things that I was this song's gonna get stuck inside you. This song's gonna get stuck inside you. Stop! Stop! (laughs) No, bad Jeff. Inside your head. But it also ties in with my favorite scene, which is I think that was a great scene. And of course, you have the those subwoofers, dude. Oh, those Lego speakers, dude, were so big. I loved. (laughs) I loved Superman mowing the grass. He's just flying, but he's mowing the grass. Oh my god! Great. Yeah, that type of suburbia kind of freaks me out a little bit because it's a little too perfect, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be like. You're you're yeah. supposed to believe that, oh, God, these guys are just totally – this is too perfect. This is just has to be – and, like, admittedly, like, even other movies have taught us, like – if it's too perfect and it's all like you know fun and games, like something suspicious is going on. Like this movie just plays right into that. Yeah, it absolutely did that for sure. Um, who? Yeesh! I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. Here, I'll, I'll go ahead for you, Zach. I got. I got. Yeah, one. yeah. Because I, I may, I may need to hear some other thoughts and ideas before I can come up with mine. You know, for some of us, it might get better the more we view this film because it's very fast pacing, muy rapido, so fast, and these scenes fly by in a in a in a in a, in a snap, like like a Thanos snap. Yeah. Um, but my favorite scene, it was not really a scene, but it's like. Or moment like each each time that you see a flash of Rex Danger Vest, and it's like a a flashy '90s action figure ad. It's like so fast and strong. He, he I don't remember what was said, but it was like all this cuts of Rex looking so badass and awesome, <laughs> like it's like a like a like a '90s cheeky ad, and just those little scenes like added life to the character. And, like, it made me care for him because, like, his ads were, like, so jolly. And it made me appreciate the more we learned about him. So, yeah, just – you know what I'm talking about, right, Ben and Zach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I do. I, it, it was such a contrast from a lot of the moments that happened in the film. It was really cool, I thought. Nice reference. So I, I did I did finally think of, of what um... – what what sequence I did enjoy, and this is ironic because uh, I felt like just in general uh, the the beauty of the first Lego Movie was the late addition and infrequent use of exploring the Lego world from the adults' perspective. Uh, it was more mystical and distant the way they did it in the first movie. This one it felt a bit more 
commonplace because you had so much of the story driven around what's going on with the siblings. Um, but it was actually a sequence in the real world that got to me because during their, their final fight under the dryer, uh, Rex and Emmett are kind of coming to a head and, and Rex says, um, this is just the expression of the death of imagination in the eyes of an adolescent. And I like instantly whipped out my phone and wrote it down because I was like, holy crap, you basically just summed up the entire movie for me. Like wow. you, 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 you just completely justified the whole discussion that I did last week, looking <laughs> at looking at looking at how Finn is projecting himself onto Emmett's character and trying to express his creativity in a way that he's not allowed to in the real world. Like I was psychoanalyzing the heck out of last week's episode, and I, I feel like I I didn't get to do that quite as much with this film, but they basically justified the subtle nuances of what I thought I had been experiencing. And they basically just laid it out on a silver platter for me and said, yep, that's exactly what's going on here. Isn't that a, and, isn't that a beautiful realization, Zach? Well, that scene was, I still have a lot of complaints about the rest <laughs> of the movie, but that particular sequence made me feel justified about trying to psychoanalyze this movie in the first place. Because regardless of whether it was executed as well as I thought it could have been, I do have to give the creators props for taking on such an ambitious project. Not just from an animation perspective, not just from a mass appeal perspective, but the fact that they're actually trying to you know, deal with these types of problems in a very relatable way. It's something that this generation needs. It's something that, that kids these days do have a, a, a need for and so I respect that they're even trying it in the first place uh, whether I feel like I could have done a better job is irrelevant the fact that that challenge is being taken on by people who have the money to actually take on that challenge is a really cool thing so I, I do respect them for that what I thought was interesting about that moment that scene so in the close-up shot where you see the Legos fighting and all these Legos are formed around them as wild style and company saves them um um there's a there's a wide pan out of sort of of the washer and dryer like you see the entire washer and dryer what's interesting is you don't really see those legos on the bottom and i expected it to be like a cascade of legos or something so it kind of gives a sense of the scale of how small these legos are it's incredible that's why i loved it that they used a washer and a dryer Oh man, I feel like there's still so much more that we could get into about this movie. We but could go. We, we could go some, all night, man. <laughs> I I don't know if I could go all night. I, I could. But there, there, there's there's definitely a lot to unpack here, but uh, I think it's also pretty safe to say that if if you really want to unpack this movie, you probably need to do it for yourself. So let's go into final thoughts and uh, planet scores mm. out of ten for this film. Uh, Jeff, I'll, I'll let okay. you lead off. What, what, are, what are your your closing statements and and your your scores for the Lego Movie yeah. Two? I really enjoyed this movie. I had a blast watching it, and you know, sometimes it's good to, you know, not be so judgmental and to just enjoy it for what it is. And you know, it's, it's the same mantra that I, that I have for Star Wars films. 
And for this movie, I also had it, and I really enjoyed it. I had a big, as I said, I got a big smile on my face at the end of it, and it. I was feeling really good for the rest of the day. I, you know, are there flaws? Yeah, of course, and you know, it does move a bit brisk, one could say, and pretty fast pacing. But overall, I enjoyed the heck out of this film. Give me that nine point three out of ten. Wow, interesting. Now, granted, I'm I'm no film critic, I'm no reviewer, no aficionado of films, so you know, you know, take it for what it's worth. It's been a while since I've rated films. It's it's been many many months since I've done it. So this will be you know, I I I really liked it. Well, and and that's what's important is if you took something away from it that you can enjoy, then that that means that the movie served its purpose. So, uh, Ben, what about you? Um, I'm going to say that I really enjoyed this film. I said, like, like, you know, like we pointed out, I think, you know, it generally has flaws. It's not perfect. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's all over the place in places. I wasn't a huge fan of some of the music, but I did mm-hmm. like, I said, the catchy song or whatever. And I thought they did a good job of trying to make this, film different enough and trying to be its own thing while still being a Lego movie sequel. Um, and, you know, yeah, they they kind of, it was kind of a cop-out in the end with, you know, the whole, like, oh, they're going to have a dark ending, but then it does. I, appreci- I would appreciate that they would have done it, but I understand, like, ultimately, it's a kid's movie. They're not going to end it like that. It's not trying to be this bastion of, like, filmmaking. It's just trying to be funny be stupid sometimes, yeah. have a good time, and I enjoyed it for that. I enjoyed it for the fact that it's not some, you know, as as we nerds often do, and there's nothing wrong with that, we look way too far into things sometimes. <laughs> um, and I know I am guilty of that more than anyone probably, um, so, like, not calling anyone out for sure, but uh, <laughs> it is, it's, 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 you can definitely take a lot from this film. You can I psychoanalyze as we did last week on the show about the Lego movie. Um, and that's all good stuff. But I think sometimes, you know, it's, 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 it's also good just to enjoy stuff. So I think there's some good moral messages in there. I appreciated those too. I like that they're, they're still trying to do that. It's not just, just dumb fun. It is, there is some, some layers to it and some, some heart to it, which I always appreciate. So I'm going to give this one, I'm going to give this one an eight, Point five out of ten. That was a little higher than I expected. So just just to clarify, you actually enjoyed this one more than you enjoyed the first one. What did I give the last one? <laughs> you gave it. You gave it an eight point oh. Oh really? You you gave you gave a, a an eight point zero to Lego Movie One. I'm not trying to get you to change your vote. I'm just trying to <laughs> uh-huh, clarify. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I enjoy. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. That's my gut yeah, ben, feeling. Stick I'm going to with, stick with it. Stick with your score. Don't compare this movie to other movies. Take it as a standalone. What you because think I'm about sure it. it. I'm sure if I looked at all my scores right now for all the movies I've rated on this show, I would be like, oh, God, I can't yeah. do that. But, like, it's just in the moment. Yeah. And, like, ask me tomorrow. Yeah. It could be different. Far too like, often. And you see this in the video game industry with review scores. People are like, oh, why did you rate this a 7? Or why is this a 9.9 and not a 10? It's like, are you kidding me? It's just a decimal well, number. Will, Calm down. I will fully, it's fun. I will, fully, <laughs> I will fully admit to watching Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 
and I walked out of that one being so hyped up from all the people talking about it. <laughs> I, I didn't – the first time I actually walked out of the theater, I wasn't as hyped as I thought it would be about it. And it wasn't until I had a great discussion about it on this podcast and talked about it with other people. I was like, that was really good, and I ended up pre-ordering it on uh, <laughs> on uh, iTunes, and I'm looking forward to watching it again. But, like, sometimes it just it just hits you in a weird place, and sometimes it's just the way your emotions are. And so with me, it's like the first watching experience in a theater is such a weird experience. And sometimes it can be positive, sometimes it can be negative. And I've done 180s on yeah. different movies. Um, I, some movies I didn't really like coming out of the theater. Um, <clears throat> call flesh today. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> I, I remember, I, I, I remember I came, that Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you remember that. And then I came around. I'm like, nah, that, movie, that movie's all right. So, like, you never know. So we've had a. This has been an interesting discussion. Out of everything I've learned from your perspective, all of your perspectives, I'm very curious to see how Zach's going to score this. What's your planet score, man? Uh, so I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a. a conversation a private message conversation that i i sent to a friend of mine that uh, was rather spoiler free but kind of gave my initial impressions fresh out of the theater um i said that i felt like the movie had very little originality that it had mirror style storytelling in the opener which was droll a lot of self-referencing to batman chris pratt uh dc in general uh fewer clever cameos and uh more music that was less catchy said I was never hooked, invested, or fully entertained. The notion that sequels are never as good as the original continues, I'm afraid. This is not the Empire Strikes Back from a certain of point Lego of view. movies. That's from a certain point of view, Zach. <laughs> but that's the only point of view that counts when I'm giving my planet score. That's true, that's true. For me, I did not get as much out of this movie as... I got out of the first Lego movie. I did not get the kind of character development that I thought I was going to get. I did not get the kind of storytelling that I was hoping for. And as a writer, like I said, it disappoints me when somebody else is getting paid bundles of cash to write a story that I feel like I could have written better myself. However, I also have to acknowledge that this movie was not made for me like i said in my opening statements this movie was not written with me in mind a 25 year old white male it was written for preteens it was written for younger people and with that kind of storytelling with that kind of appeal with that kind of animation style with that kind of catchy music it's all geared towards a younger audience and the box office is responding saying you know number one this weekend you you guys did what was expected of you. Um, in that regard, I, I have to give them props. And like I said, it's also really ambitious to tackle a lot of these difficult uh, subjects the way that they do. So I, I do respect that. But uh, I, I just – I cannot in good conscience rate this movie higher than I rated Lego Movie 1. And I cannot, with any kind of confidence, say that this is the best movie that I have seen this year or that I will see this year. So, no, it's not going to be super high 
but it's it's not going to be super low either. It's it's definitely not the worst movie I've ever seen. I think Zumbi still holds that title <laughs> and will forever hold that title. I will forever remember when I walked into that room and y'all were just laughing your butts off because of that dangin' Zumbies movie. Oh, and that was so bad it was good, dude. <laughs> it, that that that's the that's the essence of zombies. I will and if you always hear remember our, that. If you want to hear our thoughts on zombies, we do have an episode of RIPC that discusses it in greater detail. But I think when I did a zombies discussion with the fan of fraternity, I gave it a oh. rating of like two out Duh. of ten or something <laughs> like that. Like it's bad. It's really bad. Lego Movie is not that bad. Lego Movie Two is not that bad. It just wasn't that awesome for me either. So this is lower than I usually rate movies, but definitely not the lowest I've ever rated a movie. Uh, it's going to get an even 7.0 for me. Oh, I thought you were going to go 4.0 on, on this, man. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to okay, go 4.0. Okay. I was, I, I was I actually, considering yeah. – I, I, here's the deal, Jeff. I walked into this with the perspective of a 6 to a 6.5, and our mm. discussion tonight bumped it up slightly. I actually – ironically, I expected you to put it in the 7.0 range. Well – Swimming I in get, sevens, baby. I, I get. I guess I'm fairly consistent in that regard. Who knows? But uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. So a seven, an eight point five, and a nine point three. You know, we we went into this. Jeff was super hyped. Ben was kind of in the middle, and I was on the lower end of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> I think those numbers kind of uh, are very consistent with what we thought we were going to be going it into. It also so. re- it also reflects numerically what Ben said that he was leaning a little towards my view. So and and it reflects that Ben's was not directly in the middle between seven point zero and nine point three. It was a little bit towards the nine point three. Interesting, interesting perspective. Um, really, really quick before we get too further, too much further into the night, a, a quick thank you to all of our patrons that help make this possible. The regular contributors to this show financially: Joey Mays, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and Parker Ott. You guys are the ones that help take care of our Podbean subscription. You're the ones that help sometimes pay for the movie tickets so that we can go see movies such as this. And so we could not do what we do without your help. And if you're interested in becoming a patron, then be sure to go visit patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. We're in the process of revamping that, making it a little bit better experience for all concerned. And uh, hopefully we'll have that uh, ready to roll in the not too distant future. Uh, if you are an audience member and you want to send us your planet score before I forget, just shoot that to us on social media over at IPC Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, we'll try and add your numbers to the list by next week's episode. But again, patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC Podcast is a place to find all the information about how to become a patron and how much you feel like you can contribute. It only goes up through five US dollars a month. So it's not really a big contribution. It's maybe one Starbucks drink fewer than what you would usually be having per month <laughs> if you just sign up to help us out. And That's a good me, way it, to say it. That's a good way to say it. Helps, you don't it need that overpriced coffee. You don't need that latte, <laughs> but we need your help. So please consider become a patron here at the IPC podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Of course. Uh, one other element that we like to do here on IPC, we're gonna do we're gonna do an IPC element with a uh, with a uh, hype element in the middle, and then close with another IPC element to kind of round out the evening. 
Ben, I believe you're starting us off with a, a very classic, iconic element that we do every week here on the show. Yeah, well, mm. it's the, it's the quote of the night, of course, and uh, we got a little we got a little quote, of course, as always with newer movies, it's it's hard to actually find a good a good clip from these films. Um, but I think we found a pretty good one, and this is uh, from uh, when they uh, when the quote unquote prisoners are taken to the uh, spa or whatever, <laughs> whatever it's called in the space, um, and you get some uh, good little uh, get, get some get some good dialogue between Batman and and Wildstyle and all those guys. So I guess without further ado, here is tonight's quote of the night. <laughs> What are you looking at? What are you hiding? What are you hiding? You're the one with the reflective mask. Well, I asked you first. Well, I asked you second. Real mature. So where are we going? Planet Sparkles. Sparkles. There, you will get changed in more ways than one. Hello! What was that? I said, hello! Well, we've been talking for a while. I'm not sure why you're saying hello now, but fine. Hello to you. Welcome to the Palace of Infinite Reflection, a self-re-education celebrity center. Namaste. Ooh, sounds spiritual. It is so spiritual. Sounds like a trap. This guy's a vampire. Attractive, non-threatening teen vampire. I like to talk about feelings and how we're in love, but can't be together. Isn't that beautiful? I'll answer that. It's very beautiful. The heart wants what it wants. I also DJ on the side and wear women's jeans. Wow. Guys, we have to stay tough and gritty. Do not let them soften oh, you up. Oh, yeah. I love getting barnacles scrubbed off me build pump. Really, right into it. <laughs> oh, oh, it tickles. Whee! Oh, yeah. I carry my tortured past and my chiseled glutes. Oh. Even you. What? I mean, I'm not going to turn down a free massage. I love that line that he says right there at the very end, not going to turn down a free massage. I don't think I'd ever turn down a free massage either. <laughs> You'd have to be crazy. I love that he's still wearing, he's, uh, he's still got the bat, bat. He doesn't, he never breaks character. He's, he's never Bruce Wayne. He's always Batman. He keeps the mask on at all times, just like you're yeah. supposed to. Now, in keeping with this, uh, Hype Function IPC crossover. I'm going to turn mm. over the next segment to Mr. White. This is your show, man. Man, so you know, on the Hype Function podcast, there's a monthly culmination of all this, all these great things going on in the world of entertainment. And you know, every month, you know, me and a few and some guests come together to, you know, similar to IPC in a way to discuss a little bit of the news to discuss a specific topic, a film, a video game, a comic book, whatever. But there's this special little spice, which is the big ticket item at the very end of our show. And that's what we're about to do here. This is, this is what everyone gets so excited for. The whole world comes together really, I think to celebrate awesomeness and that's the one, the only hype factor. This is the hype factor segment on the hype function crossover with the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. And what this segment is is everyone on the panel says what we what we are most excited about, individually speaking. So 
you know, I will say when I'm my hype factor, what I'm most excited about, and you know, what Ben Ben will say his, and Zach will say his, and it's just a jolly feel good segment. You know, we're talking about you know a movie that just came out not too long ago, a few days ago that we recently saw in the theaters. But what about other things in the world of entertainment that's coming out in the future? There are no restrictions. You know, just it's about what you're interested in, what you're most excited about. It could be an Avengers movie, it could be Star Wars Episode Nine, it it could be a video game coming out. It it could be you know, there's a lot of great possibilities in the world of entertainment. So, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna I think I'll be the first one for my hype factor for today. And I, there's a lot going on, as I said, in the world of entertainment, but. What's sticking out to me the most right now, honestly, is Star Wars Episode Nine. We don't even have an official subtitle for the thing yet. I'm looking on my Twitter feed, and it's a bun- and it's Ben Hart retweeting like all this Star Wars stuff within the fandom, and people are like, "Where's the title? What's going on? Well, I want you know, blah blah blah. You know, trailer this, title that, you know, and all these rumors and such." But like. The fever pitch anticipation filming just ended on February fifteenth, I think it was, and now we're starting to get you know stu- like all this stuff from the episode nine after party like that, that's just that's a treat in itself. But this movie is really the culmination of forty two years of Star Wars episodic films, and it's it, it's what I've been I've I've been so excited just to see episode seven, eight, and nine of Star Wars, and now that we. We have two pieces of the puzzle. You know, a lot of people said a lot of different things about the Last Jedi, you know, and their reactions to it. But I'm wondering, you know, Episode Nine will will wrap it up, will conclude the sequel trilogy, and I am really hyped to see what we're gonna get from it and and what it's what's the title? Come on, Lucasfilm, we're, we'll probably get it at Celebration when the trailer comes out. I hope, but yeah, um, hmm. Ben Hart, what is your hype factor today? You know what, uh, you know what, Jeff, I- I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say that episode yes. nine, even though, even though, yes, I- I'm, I'm, I'm going to be getting ready for Star Wars Celebration uh, pretty quickly, and it's coming up fast. It still hasn't hit me that it's coming, and really, so, and episode nine is kind of here and now. Even though there's nothing right now, <laughs> there really is. Maybe by the time you guys hear this and as we made mention earlier um we're recording this a little bit early so there may be some stuff that comes out between now and when this is actually uh posted for you guys to hear but in the meantime there's nothing we got the set photo the other day we got you know the the confirmation that principal photography is done but not much else and kind of the promise or the rumor that there's you know a trailer coming there's a title coming yada 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 and maybe some stuff coming at celebration but i'm just looking forward to getting into the movie itself and just watching it and i really wish i wish i could just fast forward to december and you know side note hanging out with you guys pretty darn awesome i'm but s- also sorry just watching the movie um will be great and i wish i could watch the movie without knowing anything but i know i'll, I'll know a lot. I already know a few things, actually, um, according to the rumors and the plot spoilers like that. But still, it's I'm super, super pumped for that thing. And that's I think that's at the moment right now. That's what I'm most hyped for. I 
I will say real quick, I am worried about spoilers. I'm the kind of person that avoids them at all costs. So I wish you good luck, Ben. And I think it's a great hype factor. A lot of Star Wars stuff happening in 2019 with the video game, with some, with the Mandalorian, with Episode Nine, with Resistance. But now I'm going to turn it over to a great IPC host, Mr. Zach Arnold. He's had a lot of great takes tonight and some great discussions. And I'm and I'm wondering, my friend, what is your hype factor? Um, you know, I I I, I hate to sound like I'm plugging myself, but I I kind of am, just ever so slightly. Because uh, I recently launched a new podcast with my friend Sean. Uh, it's called Call the Banners, and it is a family by family discussion of the TV show Game of Thrones. And the more we talk about Game of Thrones and where it has come from in the last several years and what it's leading up to in April, the more hyped I get for this series finale that's coming. Uh, it, it's been a long, long time in the works. Uh, people have been waiting a long time for the, the finished product, if you will. Um, like we haven't had any new Game of Thrones episodes since, like, August of 2017 or something like that. So it's been a long, long time. And we've done a lot of episodic discussions on it. We've now gone into talking about it family by family, and no matter which way you twist it and turn it, the fact remains that Game of Thrones is one of my favorite TV series of all time. The world building, the writing, the characters, the action, the plot twists, the intrigue, there's so many things that are finally coming to a head, and and we're basically reaching the end game, if you will, Hmm. of this series. And so with even even with Captain Marvel coming out in two weeks, even with Avengers Endgame coming out in a couple of months, even with Celebration, even with The Mandalorian, there's plenty to be hyped about for the next couple of months. But the anticipation that is mounting with the Call the Banners crew and doing that podcast with them just makes me all the more hyped for Game of Thrones. So if I had to pick something right now, I'm probably most hyped for the uh, the Game of Thrones series finale. Dang. Nice. And yeah, that was that's basically the the hype factor segment it is the the very last segment of the hype function podcast which you can which you can hear it'll air once a month on channel 1138 on its Mixler page uh, every single month at least once a month. Um, broadcast um, the specific broadcast time and date um, is not really known very far in advance. I usually give updates via the channel 1138 Facebook page. So tune in to that awesome Facebook page for updates on Hype Function and the other great shows we have on this on this channel. Well, that, that may be the, the final element of the Hype Function, Jeff, but we do have one <laughs> other element that we talk about here on IPC as well. So it's almost time to call it a night, but not before... We get out everybody's favorite hashtag. So if you are listening, then now is the time to start using that hashtag. If you're listening live on channel1138.com, put it in the chat. If you are listening on social media, go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and everything else that carries a hashtag. Because it is time, one more time, for hashtag BBQWatch. Barbecue. 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 
stands to reason that uh, coming off of a back-to-back discussion of the Lego movie and their iconic song, Everything is Awesome, it only seems fitting that our discussion for this Barbecue Watch segment would be basically a story of the most quote-unquote awesome barbecue that you have ever had. Oh my god. (laughs) Everything is awesome, right? So now it's time to hear about the most awesome barbecue experience you have ever had. Does anybody feel brave enough to lead off with this, or do I need to lead off? Whew, I'm going to have to think about this one for a minute. Well, Ben, Ben, you, you, you and your family own a barbecue restaurant. Come on, man. Yeah, that means I have like a thousand experiences. Like my whole I've life is an experience. I've never barbecued in my life. I've only seen other people barbecue. It's like, is this about barbecue experience or just barbecue taste and flavor or barbecue food? Wait, what are we talking about, Zach? Anything. Anything. Oh. I mean, you, there's, there's a thousand different ways you can take this. I mean, if, if I had to talk about like, uh, like, like a, like a barbecue experience, um, I don't think anything can really top the, uh, the, the pulled pork sandwich and the fries that I had at a San Diego Padres game last summer. Ooh. Uh, it was, mm. it was prepared on like this big open grill. It wasn't even like a smoker even, which because in California you're not allowed to smoke your slow slow smoke your meat, so they have to prepare it a different way. But to have like that kind of food experience combined with the competitive baseball experience, that was really cool. Um, the road trip out to Mississippi back in 2015, you know, I was oh, I was nice. just excited about Star Wars. I was excited about meeting some really awesome dudes, and then I show up. And literally, I get into the hotel room, and on the sink in the bathroom are, like, three to-go boxes full of barbecue ribs Whoa! from Ben's restaurant. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, I've died and gone to heaven. (laughs) And to this day, they are still some of the best ribs that I've ever eaten. Like, that, 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 the, the memory associated with it is, like, part of the experience, I think. Because I I made this memory one time of going down to a little town in East Texas called Huntsville. Um, It's where Sam Houston State University resides. And for a time, I actually considered going to Sam Houston State, becoming a Bearcat. And one of the things that uh, when I when I went there for like, quote unquote, recruiting purposes, um, I went and saw the uh, General Sam Houston Memorial and I saw the campus and then somebody suggested that I try this place called McKenzie's Barbecue. And uh, I went and tried it, and it was really, really good. But the thing that stood out to me the most was their sides. They made some really excellent potato salad that accompanied the uh, the brisket that I had. 
And they've got, like, this bar where you can get, like, all these other accessories like sauce and pickles and onions and uh, salt and pepper and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that they had on this bar was a slow cooker container of their homemade baked beans. They just kept those things simmering there for anybody to come up and have if they wanted some. And they had a mild and they had a spicy. I tried both and they were both fantastic. And so like thinking of Mississippi, best ribs I ever had. Thinking of San Diego, best view I ever had. Thinking of Huntsville, best beans I ever had. You know, there's all kinds of different ways you can you can affiliate your awesome barbecue experience. But for me, there's always some sort of memory attached to it as well. Awesome. Well, I've got an answer if nobody else does. Uh, uh, no, mine is probably the worst out of the three of you. <laughs> so I will give it in the middle so that you can look forward to Ben's delicious barbecue stories, okay? <laughs> so Fair my enough. plethora of experience within the barbecue realm and spectrum is nothing compared to the barbecue masters that are Ben Hart and Zach Arnold, yeah? But I have a little bit of experience hearing it from my me craving barbecue boneless wings from the National Food Chain Wing Stop to my dad making some great um, barbecue wings from the local restaurant that he works at. And actually, it was really cool. I think one day I had, this was a few years ago, I had his, he made barbecue wings for me. It, I think it was on the day I was listening to the, to the IPC podcast or some podcast on Channel M38. So I thought it was a really ironic but fun affair. I think, you know, a couple people in the family have made barbecue ribs for, you know, just a random dinner or for Thanksgiving or extravagant Christmas meals. So, I mean, the barbecue sauce has wide appeal and it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, like... As you know, longtime IPC listeners know, including me, you know, I am one of those longtime listeners. Like, you know, Ben and Zach really get into the ins and outs of what barbecue sauce is, and but I don't go into it that deeply. I'm not that known into it. But in in the broad spectrum, I enjoy barbecue, and it's it's such a beautiful thing. I think it's you know hashtag barbecue watch. The thing that launched, that was a part of the hashtag watch spectacular from 2014, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's all. Okay, so I'm up, I guess? I believe so. All righty. Well, okay, I think this story, I guess we'll call it a story, includes one of the weirdest barbecue experiences I've had, and I'll get to it in a second, but quick some backstory. So everybody knows that we, you know, we, 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 all of us here at the Star Wars community have, you know, especially at IPC, we have this kind of fledgling relationship with our other good buddy Stephen Stanton, who, uh, who is a voice actor, who has done a bunch of stuff in Star Wars, and who knows else. Um, he's been, you know, and that's that's a credit to him being extremely, extremely nice to us and being very open to us. And we got to hang out with him in L.A. Um, and for Rogue One, all that kind of stuff. So that was great. But uh, for Celebration Anaheim, which was my first ever Star Wars celebration, um, Steven was kind of poking me a few times, and him and his crew, Dutch and Kathy, were like, hey, bring us some barbecue sauce. 
And at first I didn't know if they were actually for real. I didn't know if they were joking with me or what. And and then eventually it, it seemed like, okay, they're actually for real. They want some barbecue sauce. I'm like, okay, I can make this happen. So I was actually flying to L.A. So you can't take a gallon jug of barbecue sauce on a plane. Um, so that wouldn't work. But it just so happened that our good buddy Chris Siegel came by, actually stopped by. He was doing one of his whirlwind cross-country tours in his car, um, and he stopped in here in Mississippi on his way, and we were he was going to eventually end up in L.A. I think he might have even been moving to L.A. at that point. Um, so he stops by, and he gets the bottle gallon of barbecue sauce and stuffs it in his car. Of course, he's packed out because he's moving, um, and he stuffs in his car, and of course, I meet him in L- in Anaheim, and then he still has the barbecue sauce, and then, so, fast forward to, I think it was Friday or Saturday of Celebration Anaheim, we go, and we know we're going to see Steven sometime that day, we don't know when, and of course, when you're, you kind of leave your hotel, it's like, you kind of have to have everything on you the whole day, like, you have to keep it packed, so, we go to the podcast stage and have our podcast, and we have this gallon jug of barbecue sauce sitting on on the table as we're doing our podcast, and it becomes like the centerpiece of the whole show. And then for the rest of the day, I got to lug that thing around, <laughs> and it was fun in places, not so fun in other places. One of my favorite interactions was going to, we got invited to this DK publishing, they were launching a new uh, Star Wars book, it was the ultimate Star Wars book, and they invited us to come and check it out, they gave us a book, it was really awesome, we got to hang out with some, Anthony Daniels was there, really awesome, and, but to get in, I'm like, come up, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? Like, I can't just carry it around this party. And they're like, oh, we'll keep it at the front desk for you. So they kept it there, thank goodness. And they're like, well, what? They, of course, they were joking about the fact that, uh, you know, that they, it may not be there when we come back because they wanted to crack into it. They didn't, thankfully. But uh, it was later that night, went to Stephen Stanton's uh, hotel, and we hung out, and they had ribs that they had ordered out to, and... Before we know it, everybody had cracked the barbecue sauce open. Steven and all his crew were eating it. We were eating some. And uh, they even posted online after it how much they enjoyed the barbecue. So that was a really awesome, really delightful experience it turned out to be. Um, having a having a world-class actor, in my opinion, Steven Stanton, um, enjoying some of our barbecue sauce. Man, you just get to Man. share the love and share the joy all over the place, don't you? Yeah, come on, man. I've never had your barbecue sauce before. Uh, well, you're going to have to change that one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got plenty of opportunities for reunions. As long as Lucasfilm keeps pumping out movies, we're going to keep having those reunions. So something tells me that that barbecue sauce is not too far out of reach, Jeff. Oh, I'm hyped. That might be my, hype, my new hype factor. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would honestly probably like pay just to have it shipped to where chris lives and hope that it gets there in one piece like 15 layers of bubble wrap or something like that (laughs) and just get it there in one piece and then we just chow down on barbecue sauce related stuff i mean i would be fine just like having in and out and and putting barbecue sauce on an in and out burger like there's so there's so much versatility with a gallon 
of barbecue sauce. <laughs> barbecue sauce is the cornerstone, the foundation of the IPC podcast. And man, just I've heard so much about Ben's barbecue over the years. I gotta try it, dude. Come on, Ben. Hook me up. It's 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 <laughs> worth the road trip. At least from the Dallas area to Mississippi, it was totally worth the road trip. I don't know if I can speak for driving from Arizona to Mississippi, but that's a little I, long. A little long. I, I I quite enjoyed it, and you are a road warrior, man. To to make it uh, <sighs> all the way to the Dallas area the way it, you did a, a couple of years ago, that was quite impressive. It was crazy, dude. Like there were some moments before and after where I thought. I'm going to die on this trip. <laughs> I'm going to, like, there were a couple of scary moments. Like, um, oftentimes in Texas, I would see on, on off the side of the highway, a broken down car that's been abandoned for a long time. And, and I'm just, and of, of course, you know, I told everyone and Zach responded with, with a, with a very bad joke, but, um, I'm just like, wow, what if that happens to me? <laughs> And it, it didn't. You know, I was. It was a safe drive. I was safe. And but yeah, that was. You know, I I've been kind of thinking. You know, sounds like we're all meeting up in L.A. this December for episode nine. And I'm I'm thinking, oh, that might be weird because driving in L.A. But but then I'm like, wait, this is nothing compared to Texas. Nothing. Uh, that, that's Man. true. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure Arizona is a lot closer to L.A. than it yes. is to the Dallas area. It is. I looked so, it up. It is. <laughs> hop, hop, skip, and a jump, relatively. Yeah. I think. I mean, here's 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 some weird geography for you before we close down for the night. Uh, as far as miles driven on the road is concerned, El Paso is actually closer to Los Angeles than it is to Dallas. That sounds right. That's just a crazy geographical fact. And if you're driving on the roads in Texas, uh, driving the the miles across from Texarkana to El Paso, the miles that you would drive on the roads from there is equivalent to if you were flying one-third of the way across the United States. Texas, wow. is, Texas is pretty damn big. Just putting that out there. Um, we're trying to get bigger in certain areas, such as social media. Grow so us, grow us biggest Texas, Zach. IPC. Just, just help us help help IPC grow a little bit more on the social media platforms. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. You can also follow us personally on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at zac underscore dfw. You can find Ben on those platforms as well at Ben Hart with no E. Just spell it out phonetically. Pretty easy to find. He's always on the interwebs. I, not in a not in a detrimental way. I'm just saying I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm just saying you you have connections, buddy. You know people that yeah. I don't know. And it's really funny because a lot of my most liked tweets recently are ones that you end up retweeting. So like you're following, no, you're I'm, you're following <laughs> likes my tweets, but they don't follow me themselves. Damn it! I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> just just keep tweeting, tweeting, tweeting. Just keep tweeting. <laughs> I you can. Is it okay if I plug myself really quick, Zach? By all means, by all means. So I don't have much outside of the hype function podcast. I am a uh, third year in as an undergraduate college student. So like Zach, not too long ago. And, but I do have a Twitter account, um, a, a username, GIFW52, J-I-F-W-5-2. Uh, and it, it's basically where I post about a bunch of video game stuff, Easy Allies stuff. I'll get to that in a moment. And Star Wars stuff. I follow a lot 
I've retweeted many things that Ben has posted or retweeted himself. So, you know, Ben Hart is very reputable. Ben Hart with Noe, very reputable source on Twitter. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. And, but yeah, I'm also Jif W 52 in various video game communities. Um, I'm in the easy allies community. Easy allies is a YouTube channel. They used to be game trailers. Now they post a bunch of video game stuff and podcasts and whatnot. And and I'm a part of their fan community, and it's yeah, a lot of jolly people, love and respect, and yeah, I mostly I don't post too much myself. I mostly just like what everyone else says. But yeah, social media is an interesting thing. Sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it's a lot of fun. Sometimes it makes me miserable, but it's okay because I learn a lot from it. It's very true. You learn a lot from people on the internet, good or bad. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Uh, speaking of internet, you can find previous episodes of the IPC podcast on the internet on iTunes, Google Play, and our partner website at StarWarsUnderworld.com. That's also your official place for news, rumors, casting announcements, and anything else that may pertain to the galaxy far, far away. Star Wars Underworld is a proud partner of IPC Podcast. The best way to find IPC, though, is on our primary hosting site, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Pod as in podcast, bean like green bean, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. We also have barbecue-related stuff and IPC planet-related stuff on a merchandise site called TeePublic, T-E-E as in t-shirt, tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. We've got shirts, we've got hoodies, we've got phone cases, we've got totes, we've got stickers, we've got just about anything you could possibly need that's related to the IPC podcast, and about 25 to 28% of whatever you buy goes right back into IPC. So uh, please, if you're interested in finding some of that stuff, then uh, go check that out and also go uh, find Ben at Star Wars Celebration. You may find some IPC-related <laughs> stuff at the Star Wars Underworld's booth How because many? they're just so generous to give us a little table space out there. How many people uh, – we should, we should do a friendly wager. How many people are going to punch Ben Hart at Celebration? Oh, God. I don't um, know if I have enough time to actually <laughs> place – a wager on an actual quantifiable number. I, I, I've I think, heard. The, I think, I've heard they're already lining up. So I, um, I think Ben's gonna need like his own booth instead of a because, dunk tank. It's just a punching booth. Because we we were all there. The first time was that IHOP waitress, right, Ben? Uh, yes, yeah, she's first in Man. line. I've heard. She's she's waiting. And she's I rem- waiting I remember I remember that moment so clearly. I you know. It's exciting to see what will happen at Star Wars I, Celebration. I, thought, I, I seriously yeah. thought you had moon shoes on the way you were jumping around. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For the folks at home that have no idea what the hell we're talking about. So I went to IHOP, and then oh, we were man. walking in. It was me, Jeff, Mondo, all the guys. Zach. And I go – I start hopping, and I go, I hop, I hop. And the woman that was <laughs> seating us goes, I'm going to punch him. I'm going to punch him. And I'm like, oh God, uh, they're gonna. Not only are they going, they're threatening physical violence. They're gonna put something in my food, probably, because uh, I've pissed somebody off. But uh, that was the first one, and then there's been many others. So since then, that have wanted to punch me. I don't. Don't you worry, audience. Uh, it, it, she, the waitress, was joking. We think. We think, possibly. Yeah. I don't know. She could still be stalking me. You never know. Texans are badasses, dude. I wouldn't put it past her. Just saying. Oh boy. 
but it's gonna be it's gonna be a really fun time at celebration. We're actually gonna have a celebration recap episode dedicated here on the IPC podcast whenever Absolutely. Ben gets back to town. Unfortunately, Ooh. finances didn't quite line up for me personally to be able to make it, but uh, I'm gonna make it to a celebration one of these days. If not for anything else, it's just to to hit Ben's punchable face. Apparently, that's the popular uh, thing to do. It's it's always gonna be a good time so, here on the IPC podcast. So Zach. We, I, I'm so sorry, Zach. I forgot. Real quick plug that I forgot to mention. Sometime really soon in the next few weeks, probably in the month of March, there will be a Hype Function episode on Channel 1138 starring me, Zach Arnold, and Ben Hart. Please look forward to it. Awesome. That's all. You sure? Uh, as far as I know, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, well, keep, ben, I'm unless... keep, keeping you up all night, Zach. I just... Uh... <laughs> Well, uh, Ben, unless you have any other final thoughts, I, I think it's about time to put this one to bed. I, I think I think we covered everything. I think we've done good. And uh, it's a pleasure having Jeff on. Ple- pleasure doing a little hype function yeah. crossover. And uh, also a pleasure watching and discussing the Lego Movie 2, the second part. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on. I mean, you guys are good friends, awesome people, and we had a great discussion tonight. We really did, and I'm looking forward to whenever we may have another really great discussion, but the discussion is now officially over on episode 226 of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. We're putting this one to bed, and then I'm putting myself to bed as soon as we go off the air. But for Jeff White and for Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope that you'll tune in next week. Until then, we just want to leave you with this closing thought. Only through fire is a strong sword forged. We look forward to seeing you next week on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. <laughs>